Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I started writing this song the other day. Maybe that could work, like as a chorus or something. I'm off the deep end, watch as I dive in. I'll never meet the ground. Crash through the surface where they can't hurt us. Far from the podcast now. Good. Thank you. Good. She said, you know, she goes in a high register sometimes. It's hard. Hey. 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 Just want to get another podcast. I just want to get another podcast. Oh yeah. Oh, just want it's it's actually a little more hey. like. Hey. I just want to take another look at you. Like it's hey. actually a little less slurred hey. than I. Hey. hey. All you gotta do is podcast. You gotta respond. Hey. What? I just want to get another podcast. <laughs> David's doing the nose thing. Yeah, baby. Hello, everybody. I've already done a falsetto rendition of the song. So we got nowhere to go but up from the shallows. Uh huh. My name is Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. It's a podcast about filmographies. Yes. Directors who have massive success early on in their career give a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. Baby. 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 Sometimes all you gotta do is trust him. Baby. Um, I really just feel like he's talking to everyone when he says that. To the studio executives, yeah. you know, to the audience, to Lady Gaga. All you gotta do is trust me. <laughs> all you gotta do is trust me. That's <laughs> um, all you gotta do. That's all you gotta do. Is that what is that what this is gonna be for like the next two hours? All you gotta do is trust <laughs> me, Ben. That's all you gotta do, David. David. Hey, what? Just want to get another podcast. No, I just want to get another look at you. He's almost Orson Wellesian just at times. Uh, the French champagne. And oh, what if this was a movie about her falling in love with Orson Welles at like Paul Masson time? You know what I mean? It's the same. It's a Star is Born, but it's back to acting, right? Oh, uh, like that. And like the best champagne is fermented in the bottle. I, I don't know if the mic is picking you up. <laughs> Can we boost these levels like hardcore? Sure. Fermented in the bottle. <sighs> I think you mean, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So this Ma- is- <laughs> Sorry. Just want to get another look at you. Just want to get another look at you. Okay. Come on. Okay. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate. You're, no, you're right. We should keep it moving. Uh, thanks, Andrew Gudo. Um, th- this is this is a like kind of a new thing for us, which is like we're uh, we're. I mean, we're far from the shallows now. But the other thing is that we're, uh, you know, we we try to do some uh, some new release movies when they come up when ones feel important, even outside of the sort of yeah, like directors Jack Reacher never go back. Right. When right. films feel important, or Hotel Transylvania Three, Summer Vacation. <laughs> Detective Pikachu, not to right, spoil a new epi- come, coming important. episode. Right, yeah. exactly. When it feels like, oh, the culture is hinging here. We're, right, we're in the beginning of a shift. Yes. Right, yeah. Uh, at a fulcrum point. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is, I, I do uh, look at how much I uh, uh, have soiled this podcast with my influence. 
and I look at like <laughs> right the, almost all of the things. Go on, go on, go no, on. No, when it's like okay, you know, Ben's always like, you know, it's good for like ratings when we do new movies. And right, it's like obviously, right. other than our franchise and new directors, let's look for the ones that jump out. And almost all of them are children's films, <laughs> right? Like it's good for our ratings when we do new movies, like Hotel Transylvania. I mean, I haven't looked at the ratings, but was that like a significant? You know, did the Transylvanians roll up? They did not. <laughs> I'll, Official. I'll tell you something. Great episode, though. Fran Hoffner told me best episode of the year for really? us. Really? Yes. Uh, I'll tell you something. I I heard that that Robert Smigel listened to that episode. Are you serious? Yeah. Re- really? I don't want to reveal my sources, but I was talking to someone Sandler? who had gotten into the podcast Drac? and has worked. It was Drac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who had worked with Smigel and was like, you know, I've been listening to his podcast. And they did a whole episode on the whole Transylvania movies. And he was like. Wait, people like them? Like, they did? I, I wrote those in a day. He obviously knows they're <laughs> successful, but he yeah, was no, like, people talk about those seriously? I would assume that he is. He thinks that, you know, it's all kids. Like, yes. no one, no grown-up would care about that. But he's not met Griffin Right, Norman. then he listens to the podcast and he's like, oh, one of these is a kid, right? <laughs> is it that like camera Jackson guy? <laughs> so this is a rare uh, modern release that isn't uh, starring talking animals that we're going to cover or, on the podcast. Or about wars in stars. Right. <laughs> right. Or to DC superheroes. God, we are such children. Right? Yeah. But in the same way that doing the Hotel Transylvania series, wink, wink, now made Gendy Tartakovsky a director we have to cover from here on out. That's fine. I'm fine with that. We're kind of we're kind of putting a claim in this director now. I mean, I think by doing this episode, we're going to have to cover any other films he directs, right? And this guy's going to keep directing Fine by why I can't wait to see what he does next, because it's either going to rule or suck. Like... I you know he's doing mean? the Bernstein. Didn't he get the Bernstein rights the Bernstein from Spielberg? Bears? He's doing the Bar- Bernstein. <laughs> David, he's I, doing the Leonard Bernstein. I regret movie? to inform you that the Mandela effect has taken over. Yeah, you. yeah, no, I know, I know. I was uh, doing a joke. He's doing the Leonard Bernstein Bears, but um, that's a movie that, like, it has it has died so many times. But yes, you're right. I forgot he got the uh, right. He, got he the seems to be going there. after aggressively. Uh, he wants to get another look at it. Um. But but this is a rare example of because that's why Fukunaga jumped to Bond, right? Yeah, because he, he wanted, had the competing yes, Jake Gyllenhaal, with Jake one, which Jake. probably would have been a good bet. Gyllenhaal's good for it. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, I wouldn't have thought Bradley Cooper would be good as like you know a roots rock you know fucking musician. Hey, 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 hey. Um, this is a rare example, and I feel like this has come up in like discussions on the Reddit and and uh, and such. Recently, you're like, what are examples of like first time filmmaker getting a blank check? And this is really mm. one of those. Yeah. And it's a big example because it's happening at such a high level. I mean, A, in terms of the budget, the freedom they gave him, B, in terms of the hype for the movie and what feels like is going to be a fucking insane box office and awards run. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other examples like this are usually. Uh, Actors. Similar leading men movie stars who are also taken seriously as real deal actors who get to make crazy big debut films like Dances with Wolves. Sure. Right. Where and partly where they're like, let me use I really want to make this thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what Dances with you know, I think studios yeah. were like, meh. Yeah. And so let me use all the capital I built up on the acting side. Right. Get some money. Just make the thing I want to make. Right. And that movie, when it was coming out, people called it Kevin's Gate. Yes. They were like, this is his act of hubris that's going to sink him. And, you know, the thing is, like, he wasn't even that big. Like, I mean, he was a big deal. 
But it's pretty he, early in his career. That's when he becomes the number one guy after that movie. Is yeah. you, you think of Costner fame, right? And right. But almost all of his, I feel like, really iconic roles are Dances with Wolves on. I'm trying to, like, I'm going to take a double look. I feel I'm like that, that's the crazy box office run. Yeah, take another look. Uh, you know, because he'd done, okay, he'd done Silverado and The Untouchables. Field of Dreams. And Bull Durham and Field of Dreams. So I take it back. He'd had a very big run. Those are three big ones. But, but his, then post that, he's got Robin Hood, JFK, right. The Bodyguard. Those Rider. are his biggest box office yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Costner. I guess it's right in the middle. Yeah. Beatty's another example. Sure. But right. Reds is the one that feels most blank checky for him. And that was second after Heaven Can Wait, which is like a pretty standard type of debut film. Kind of. And I think the reason he directed that is some, there's like, right, like someone else was going to do he it. He directed it with Buck Henry. Yeah. yeah. I, I there's some weird story with that movie where I think he was initially just going to star. And right. Um, I think he wanted to do, as you say, sort of like take a run at directing to get ready for his right. big stuff. Um, but this is closer to Dances with Wolf things. And I, I don't think there was as much negative press, but I feel like there was a lot of like, why is Bradley Cooper doing <laughs> Stars Born Again? Why is Lady Gaga in it? Like, it felt weird that he was making it. And I remember reading a lot of snarky, like, that movie's gonna be a disaster until the trailer came out and then became AFI's number one highest rated movie in history. I mean, that trailer became the number one AFI film ever, right? It, I think 100 it, years, 100 uh, movies 100, or whatever. Uh, right. Funny times for funny people. Yeah, funny times for funny um, people. And, and Sight and Sound was like, we know we're supposed to wait like another like four years. Right, but, the Library of Congress opened their doors. Right, I mean, Ehrlich tweeted like, it's become clear to me that the uh, the Stars Born trailer one is one of the most important films of, <laughs> of the, the decade. But it kind of does feel that way in terms of like the weird trailer. cultural impact it's had and especially for a trailer that's not an event film. So, yeah, it's like, obviously, Stars Born is a Stars Born. There's been a zillion, you know, and it was going to be made. But yeah, I feel like when it got, well, look, yeah. I'm going to say this as delicately as possible. Please do. I think I've said it to you before. Yeah. When I heard that Bradley Cooper, yeah, actor, mm-hmm. celebrity, mm-hmm. was writing and directing and starring in a Star is Born. Yeah. That movie, like Judy Garland, Barbara Has Streisand. Three times yeah, before. Yeah, you know, have yeah. occupied the roles before. With Lady Gaga, yeah, I don't think I expected the movie to look like this. Oh, neither. I I thought that was a bad idea. <laughs> no, not so much. I just thought it would be a a campier movie. Sure, because it was being written and directed by Bradley Cooper, and that's it. The boat has left, and I'm not talking about it anymore. I did not expect a a sort of like like when the trailer opened. Uh huh. Lady Gaga. I, more what I expected. I expected like a stripped down kind of Lady Gaga. That had actually been on my radar. Did not expect Bradley Cooper to look like he had just gone through a shine machine and be all red face and like... Bleh, 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 you bleh. expected maybe more American hustle Bradley Cooper. Exactly. A glossier, uh, more sort of... Uh, how do you describe it? You know... Uh, well, he's over the top. I'm sure there's a word I'm looking for here that I'm forgetting. You know, look, I think he's an interesting movie star because he doesn't have one distinctive persona, right? No, in the way a no, lot of people he likes do. To, he but likes I, to fuck around, right? But I, I think one of the things that has become a trademark of his, if not the trademark, is that sort of like live wire, manic, yeah, angry man energy. Right, right. I mean, certainly in like, the, what, I mean, the recent old, things where he's popping up like joy and, you yeah. know. But Which, this, you know what, Joy, he's actually very understated so, in. So, he's so good in that he's movie. He's the best part of that movie. He is. Yeah. He's been the best part of a few movies. Sort I, of I like mean, secretly. I think, 
let's just step back and talk about his career. Bradley Cooper. is fascinating. It is. Because he has become one of the top leading men in Hollywood, but it took him much longer than most other top leading men. Yeah, how old do you think Brad's is? 43? I think you're right. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Turning forty four in January. Nailed it. Um, I just think in terms of his contemporaries, his contemporaries. Who are his contemporaries? Who like, we got? Like someone like DiCaprio or sure. Wahlberg. In terms of the, Wahlberg, yeah. I mean, they're, they're but they were big in the nineties. That's Who's what I'm like saying. Two thousand star. No, but, th- but this is my point. In terms of age, he is the same age as people like I guess DiCaprio. So. Sure, sure, sure. But those people started so young. Yeah, right, right. When they were like. Right, teen stars and Wahlberg, of course. Right, like was Will famous. Smith. You know, if he, you go he, like, he, he had to got his start beating up people with baseball bats. Yes. Yeah, right. You know. I'm just talking about age class. Right, yeah, no, age to- class I, I get what you're certain. saying. I get what you go saying. like Clooney, Pitt, uh, uh, Cruz. Obviously, are all Damon. like sort of a decade old. Damon's more contemporary with Cooper in terms of age. Is he uh, not? In, in terms of age, he's a little older than him. But I mean, but he got started in the nineties too. Is this is saying. the point I'm making. The school ties kids are who I'm thinking of. Right. My now. point is that he is the same age as the guys who got started in the nineties. Well, but I'm, that's, but it took Damon's, him longer to pop. Right. I'm lumping Damon in there. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And Affleck. That's yeah. that's what I find pretty fascinating about him because he is a guy who really just sort of like it. It took a while. Can you tell me his first film credit? What Hot American Summer. That's right. Which he missed his graduation. From the actor studio at Pace from University, Pace, right. In order to be in that film, he famously is in uh, the the crowd asking a question of De Niro. Who is it? Who is it? Tell Louis me. Louis C.K. has one of the many things that Louis C.K. has said that have now been proven to be <laughs> wrong and disgusting. Oh, okay. He did a bit on Opie and Anthony or something where he was talking about how embarrassing it is on Inside the Actor Studio when a student asks a question of one of the big movie stars. Right, right, right. And he was like, if you're one of the kids in the audience at Inside the Actor's Studio and you ask the person a question, you will never, ever make it as an actor. Right. If you're some kid asking fucking Robert De Niro a question, you're never going to make it as an actor. Right. And there are like four different YouTube clips that now circulate of Bradley Cooper with long hair looking really earnest. Right. There's one where he asked De Niro a question who then becomes his co-star many times over. Penn is the one I'm seeing Penn is another one. There are three of them, I think. Uh Um, But he was just like a very kind of serious like acting right. student right. kid he acting school craft. kid not necessarily someone who was like moving I'm to Hollywood about the 90s witch movie yes he yeah. likes the craft yeah. he was not a guy who like you know moved to Hollywood after high school and was like i'm going to be a movie star he's a guy who's like i'm going to fucking study for 10 years yeah let's see he went he's from philly mm-hmm. uh, i grew up on the main line i think his mm-hmm. dad was a stockbroker yeah uh he had a thing in his ear as this character did, yeah. uh, that fucked up his ear for a while when he was a kid. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I don't know. Worked on the newspaper. Auditioned for the actor studio. James Lipton was like, do your James Lipton impression. Can we speak to Jackson, Maine? That was not good. That hey. was more Morgan Freeman. Hey. Can we, is Jackson Maine here with us? Tonight? Lipton's retiring, right? I heard that. He is. They're going to do rotating hosts for the new season. Not into that. Who Me should neither. Who should replace him? That's the question. Orson Welles. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, you need someone who is not an actor because yes. then it just becomes bullshit. You know, you need someone who is like Lipton, like this weird fanboy slash teacher type. Well, but this is the thing is that like, and I think this is a dying breed, but both like Lipton and the other person like him is Robert Osborne, mm-hmm. was Robert Osborne, 
who were like failed actors right. who then right. became been like in the biz. acting yeah. connoisseurs. Like they were right. both guys who had like studio contracts and played the soda jerk a couple times <laughs> and then ended up being like the great appreciators of acting. Sure. Um, I think it's now just going to be like fucking contemporaries interviewing you know each I, I other. I think it should be Brian Cox in character as Robert McKee. That would be great. Just like yelling at people. That's one of my fucking favorite <laughs> good two scene. scene performances I love it ever. so much. Yeah, two scenes. Two great you know, two scenes. The moment that kills me in that performance, my mom and I talk about that performance all the time. 25th Hour is the same year, right? Brian Cox was yes. like slaying in these tiny roles then. Like he would just right. pop Those up in a movie and annihilate. Oh two, and yeah. then he's William Stryker in O three, and that's when I was like, Oh, I'm Griffin Newman. I'm 14 years old, and Brian Cox is my favorite actor. He just done Lie. Like he was just right, starting he was so to like good in that. He was popping in that weird middle aged Brit, you know, way where they suddenly they're like, oh, well, we can always use a middle aged Brit. Sprinkle him in. This is going to be such a tangenty episode. But the other thing that happened with him at that point in his career was I feel like film snobs started being like. But, you know, Brian Cox was actually the best Hannibal Lecter. Sure. Which like, that was the other he's thing. not, but he's no, great in that scene. But I think his reputation was right. now, like, catching oh. up to him where it was, like, all these filmmakers who had, like— Fine actor. Right, yes. right. No, you're right. He was also in The Born Identity that year. Another yes. small, excellent performance. He's so good. And he's in The Ring. What was the thing I saw him in recently where he just fucking destroyed it? Uh, Pixels. Oh, right, Pixels. He is amazing in Pixels. Everyone watch Pixels. Brian Cox rules. He plays like the He's Secretary Kubrick, of Defense right? or something. <laughs> There's just some scene where he like screams at Kevin James and you're like, what is this? Like in the situation room? Well, that's also the great thing about like Brian Cox was that like before this run where he had his big like sort of Hollywood supporting actor heavy comeback. He did Super Troopers and came back for Super came Troopers for too. Super Troopers and he plays Super Troopers so straight. Is he's, clearly like in it. He's that sort of Frank Langella type where like he never, it's always gravitas. Like he does not go half on a role. Like, yeah. There's a fucking Netflix documentary about He-Man that I, of course, watched the second That's it what was I'm thinking uploaded. Of, yeah. And Frank Langella talks for like 30 minutes about how he developed Skeletor. And he's like, it's still to this day one of my favorite performances. I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a couple Skeletors in his closet, it sounds right. like. Because the narrative, okay, the narrative was- My, Minus a hundred comedy points? Correct. <laughs> How many am I losing there? Because Skeletor is super- You're going to lose a finger, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was Ben's, replacing the card system was just, I, I cut off your finger. Yeah, he's, he's dropped the commissioner persona and has now become the butcher. Ben he's the, the butcher Lord High Executioner. <laughs> Woo! The thing I was going to say. Woo! All right. We're fired up. We're Come on, it. Griffin. We're in we're it. We're in the up. pocket. We're yeah. the, this was the first guest list full episode know, we've had is, in a long time. We, I, we need to do more of these. I forget like that it's always, we're, we can not behave ourselves. We got to let the dog off the leash. Let him do some laps around the, the dog park like holiday. The dog's off the leash in that one. Bark, 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 bark. Yeah. You'll see. Um, okay. Remind me what the sixth tangent I was on was. Uh, some... Cox performance he liked. I'm trying to think oh, of what it would have been. Oh, the Langella Skeletor thing was that for so long the narrative was like, oh, he only did that movie because his son liked T-Man. And then you watch this interview and he's like, Skeletor was the vehicle for everything I'd always want to do as an actor. Right, 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 right. And Skeletor in the cartoon is like, ah, He-Man! <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whole character is just that he's the bad guy. And he's and you know whiny. that because he's like a skeleton. <laughs> he's like whiny and ineffectual. And Langella played him like Henry V. <laughs> And he's like in like the worst makeup and like 50 pounds of metal, like chainmail costuming. And he's like, I miss Skeletor. I, I rue the day that I didn't get to reprise the role. Skeletor. 
I've told I've told my Langella story on this, right? While we're already just sidebarring into sidebars. Lan Langella. Like you said Lingella, like I say Langella. Do you think it's Langella? Langella. I don't know. I would say Frank Langella. I always heard it, but the way I heard it was like that Anthony Mangella and Frank Langella <laughs> merged into one creature. No, I don't Go on. Um, my, it was like my, my like first day on draft day was like his last day. Mm -hmm. And there's like a big war room scene where like, uh, Costner does the, the crazy trade. And at the beginning of the scene, oh, yeah. uh, Langella storms in and is like, uh, Sonny, why explain yourself? Yeah. And then like, you know, two lines later I he's enter and yeah. I'm like, he's really good. And I, I enter and I'm like a call on, on line four and they're sure. like, Rick, get the phone. Um, so it's like we're both. Everyone's got to hit their marks, right? It's right. A big complicated shot. Right. And they're already like 15 primary, like principal actors in this scene. And we're the two guys who enter into it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like a PA standing outside the door with a walkie talkie going like, Frank, go. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry, I enter first and then he enters. Right. Goes like, Griffin, go. Mm -hmm. And then he stands there for like another five seconds. They go, Frank, go. And they send him in. And they kept on fucking it up because it was complicated. There were a Art. lot of actors in yeah. it. So there were three takes in a row where they went, uh, uh, Griffin, go. And then I entered in, and then like five seconds later, they'd call cut. Okay. And I didn't have dialogue. I, I just, understand. They, like, they, it was just wrong. Right. But it yeah. happened three times in a row where they, the camera wasn't right or someone forgot their line or whatever it was. They'd go, Griffin, go. And then five seconds later, I'd call cut, and I'd walk back out. And after the third time, Langella's just sitting there. He hasn't introduced himself. He hasn't said hi. He's wearing sunglasses, right? Sure. His character choice for that movie is he wears sunglasses the entire time. Sure. And when he rapped, he took the sunglasses off dramatically. <laughs> he's he's so good in that movie because he he feels like to me like awful sports owners who are sort of pleased with themselves. If yes. that makes sense. Yeah, anyway, he's go very on. good in it. Yeah. But after the third take, he goes, "Son," and I went, uh, "Yeah," and he went, "Do me a favor," and I said, "Okay," and he said, "Try not to fuck it up this time." Yeah, I've heard that story. Wasn't really your fault. It wasn't, but who am I to argue with Skeletor? I know. Okay, so now we're going back up through the Inception. Levels. So you really like Cox in uh, adaptation? Was there some? Oh, the, I couldn't find. I mean, was it like the autopsy of Jane Doe? Like, he's what's, really good in that. Secession. He's really good, and I don't remember. It might have been an old movie I was watching. Sure. I'm just always happy to see uh, Brian Cox. Okay, up through the Inception level. So now we're on to who should host inside the actor studio. Oh, yeah, right. My fear is that it's going to become Iconoclast, which was a show I really liked where it was like a different uh, notable figures interviewing each other where it was like Chappelle and Maya Angelou or like Mike Myers and okay. Deepak Chopra or like Tarantino and Fiona Apple. It was a really good show. They did a Newman Redford episode, but I just think it's going to be like that. Yeah, that sounds It should be coffee. Grodin. Oh, Grodin. Grodin or would be good. it could be Clifford. That, I would. I mean, I would like that in character. He'd be good instead of doing Jiminy Glick. You're just nodding. Yeah, Jiminy Glick would not be a bad choice. <laughs> that might uh, undercut the extreme seriousness at all times of that fucking show. Sure. Okay. So back up through the levels. Bradley Cooper <laughs> graduated from the actor studio at Pace University. Was always in the audience asking questions and yeah. just seemed like one of those sort of like drama nerd kids. Not in a bad way, but it's like this someone just loves acting and wants to act, right? But then he kind of got slipped into this sort of comedic friend zone which he said that like that was the first time he had read a script and was like this is my exact sense of humor i didn't know anyone else found the same things funny oh wet hot sure. right yeah right. so then he becomes a guy who's like kind of one of those actors that clearly the new york 
alt comedians like. Well, he gets that at the same time he gets Alias, though. So he's got right. both of those. But in Alias, right, Michael Varton is the romantic lead, and he's kind of the, the funny guy. friend. Not like, you know, he's he's handsome. The show knows he, but right. he's more he's also the pretty not the rather than comic handsome. relief. Because uh, yeah, you got Grumberg. Right, exactly. Yeah. But you know that I feel like that's where Hollywood pegged him. This guy's kind of pretty and preppy, not like ha- dark and handsome. And he asked like, himself to be written off that show. He was in it for a while, but eventually he did. Eventually, ask to be let go because he felt like he I, wasn't I, going to do much. I'm trying to remember what scene. I mean, he yeah, he was all yeah. I mean, yeah. he leaves in two. No, 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 really. Uh, fuck. I did watch Alias. I can't believe it's just like gone from my brain. Bradley Cooper, IMDb. Here we go. He was on something called The Street with a dollar sign? No idea what that is. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, right, he was on Jack and Bobby. Remember that show? Right, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess he, yeah. It's the first, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of out after the first season. You're right. Right, yeah. He comes back, like, for guest drop-ins, but yeah. But then right. he did do Jack and Bobby. Yes. So the other thing, right, he's like the Stella shorts of that era. Mm-hmm. Like he'd show up in those things. He was clearly in that scene. There are those actors who live in New York, like Sam Rockwell and Josh Charles, where it's clear like, oh, they like comedy and they'll appear in these other people's like Comedy Central shows for an episode or whatever it is. Right. And then when he's in Wedding Crashers, I feel like that's through that avenue. Well, I guess it's through both avenues, kind of. Right. Because then he sort of gets weirdly pigeonholed into the like, oh, he's like the Mark Feuerstein. Like, is he the guy who's going to play like the right. asshole or the best right. friend? Sort of turtleneck wearing preppy guy. Right. Because then it's a failure to launch. He's like McConaughey's best friend. Yeah. Um, um, yes, man. He's Jim Carrey's best friend. Uh, he was in Kitchen Confidential, which right. is one Playing of the Anthony like, Bourdain, which is really strange. I know, which is one of the most weirdly stacked TV casts of John all time. Uh, Langella's on that, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Um, Nicholas Brendan, Xander from Buffy, right? John Francis Daly from right. Freaks and Geeks. Um, Jamie Bonnie King. Somerville, Jamie Bonnie King? Somerville, yeah. who is credited in A Star Is Born, but I could not find her, so I think she got cut she out. Probably was cut out. Yeah. Um, he does like this. this Stars one has two alias yes. cast members. Like I feel like he, you know, he stays friends with all his buddies, right? You know, yeah, because he really was like he didn't feel like a guy who was like crafting a movie star persona in the way that no, even he some just sort people, of did a lot like, of everything, right? Right, because like someone like Mark Wahlberg, like even though it took a while for him to become like very bankable or very good, yeah. you could tell from the beginning, like okay, he's building a thing here. There's clearly a Mark Wahlberg persona, a brand that he's trying to perfect. Right, right, right. You know, he's on that sort of conveyor belt. And Bradley Cooper could have just been like, he's kind of a real actor. He did the Broadway play uh, with Julia Roberts, Three Days, uh, of, Three Rain. Days of Rain. Where he was sort of the third lead because Rudd, Rudd is the, right? Yeah. Another guy who was in that community of serious New York actors who get along with comedians. Right. And then he became more of a straight comedy star. But yeah, the thing about Cooper is he doesn't do an action movie until the A-Team. Like he, whereas right. Wahlberg was always like, I'm jacked. I'm going to be in action yeah. movies. Like, right. you know, I'll do other shit too, but get me in action. No, like, it's like, this yeah. guy's a serious actor and he's mostly getting caught in like decent, probably paycheck, like best friend or romantic rival roles. And then in Wedding Crashers, he's so obnoxious. Yeah. Obviously, that's the character. Right. I feel like that actually hurt him for a Agreed. little bit. Even though the movie was huge. My my buddy Alex Pearl and I would you always really talk hate about him in that We said the movie. Bradley Cooper problem, which is, can you, my friend Alex would always say, I feel like if you get that good at playing that kind of part, it starts to rub off on you and you well, become an asshole. Yeah. And for the couple of movies after that, it felt like he had too much asshole. He's just not him. that into you. He's kind of an asshole. Right. And then in The Hangover, which is obviously his big breakout, he's an asshole, but he's He's good in the hangover. So the couple things that happen are, one, he weirdly hosts SNL for he's just not that into you. 
And mm. at the time, it was like, this is the least famous person to yeah, ever host h- SNL. Hard to get in there when you're that little. But I guess the comedy stuff, you know, he's That's in, what it was. Right, but I remember yeah. being very surprised that he sure. was hosting and his joke was like, hey, I'm in this big romantic comedy with 15 big movie stars and I'm the guy they got to host. Right. That is weird. Right? But when The Hangover was announced and it was like, oh, Todd Phillips is making like an R-rated movie again. Because Todd Phillips had kind of fallen off a little bit. Like, Old School and Road Trip were really well-liked, and then he has the Starsky and Hutch and School for Scoundrels. But he also had The Hangover in the can. It's coming that year. This is my point, though. Right. Is that The Hangover, the big thing was, it was a really hot script. Uh, uh, Todd Phillips had been stuck with Weinstein for a while, and now was free of that contract, was going over to Warner Brothers, and they were like, budget $60 million, here are the stars they want. They wanted Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. They wanted sure. Thomas Hayden Church. They wanted, like... They want Thomas Hayden Church to play the Galifianakis part, Jake Gyllenhaal to play Bradley Cooper, and I forget who the third one was. I get it, because Hayden Church was in Sideways playing the sort of fuck up. Like, right. You know, I get it. They had their weird list of people they Probably wanted. Probably a bad movie. Right. And and Todd Phillips was like, I, I went through all this sort of micromanaged shit. I'm done with it. I dealt with stars who got too big, and you had to manage the star personas. I want to make new movie stars. Oh, the other this was the other big thing that happened with The Hangover was he was supposed to make a movie called Witch School with Jack Black. Sure. That was like Jack Black goes to Hogwarts or whatever. Sounds great. And Jack Black had a lot of notes and the movie got shut down like very shortly, like a month or two before it was going to film. And he was like, I've gotten so tired of having to go through the system making star vehicles because they're so temperamental. Yeah. I want to find the guys who should be stars. Yeah, I get it. Make stars and, uh, and deal with that. So he makes one of the smartest business decisions in the world, a George Lucas-esque deal, right. where he goes, I will waive my quote. What's the number where if I can deliver this movie, you let me do whatever I want? Right. And they were like 30. And he was like, if I make it for 30, I can cast whoever I want? Right. They were like, yeah. And he was like, Bradley Cooper, solid. He's been in enough big movies. Sure. Plays the asshole, but he's, he's never been some. the leading man. Right. And he says, I think you should be a movie star. Sure. I'm going to make you a movie star. Gives him the big hair, which is kind of crucial to the Bradley Cooper His magic. line, which he said is, the first thing I want is for you to grow your hair out. Yeah. And he said, why? And he said, I think movie stars have long hair. And I think long hair gives you some pain. Yeah. It's, it's very true. Which is a really smart thing he said. Yeah. You know, well, we can, yeah, we're going to. Because he had always been very close cropped before that. Yeah. He doesn't look as good. And he looked a little crop, generic. Yeah. You know, there was something like, oh, that's like a handsome enough guy. And then, of course, Ed Helms is on uh, the on office the at this at point. point. Galifianakis had started getting show. more supporting roles, was like a comedian's comedian. Sure. And uh, the movie is fucking humongous. Yeah. Uh, Todd Phillips makes $100 million because he waived his upfront quote. Good for him. And just got points. And suddenly those guys are worth so much money because they want to make two more hangovers. And their deals were so small. I think they each got 300000 for the first movie. Sure, but they got the, they the get, stacked. Right. I think seven people. for the second movie and 15 for the third. Hey. 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 Right. But you go Just like. Just want to get a look at the hangover. Oh. Oh. So I what, regret it. So what's the Bradley Cooper thing now? The Bradley Cooper thing now is now he's gotten really big playing an asshole in ribald comedies. Mm-hmm. Is he going to stay on that track? He was a serious actor. Is he going to become a matinee idol? Is he going to be an action star? He does the A-Team, which was the weird yeah. potpourri of actors who blew up in 2009. The, move, the problem the with that movie- The A-Team is like Liam Neeson just did Taken. Yeah. Charlton, Charlton Copley just did- District 9. Right, like who are the three guys who now are pretty affordable because they just became bankable? Yeah, Rampage Jackson had just done um, The Midnight Meat Train yes. with Bradley Cooper. Uh, yeah, that, that movie sucks. The problem with that movie yeah. is that it sucks. Well, that's the other thing is Bradley Cooper had a couple 
movies where he was the lead that were shelved and didn't come out until after he was big. Yeah. Midnight Meat Train, Case 39, which is the Renee Zellweger one. Like, he had a bunch of shelved movies where then they had, like, a spring cleaning sale. Yeah, Yeah, they're all bad films. He was also in All About Steve with Sandra Bullock, her weird meltdown movie. Right, that, that weird year where like Bradley Cooper and Sandra Bullock are huge, but also they have they this have embarrassing the movie they like, made. Right. right that comes out after their massive summer successes. Um, you got he was in he pops up in Valentine's Day, another mm-hmm. uh, anthology kind of movie. Then he does Limitless. Give me that pill. I think that's the movie that kind of really totally because that movie does well and it and, shouldn't like, have it done shouldn't well. Do well at all. And it was supposed to be a Shia LaBeouf vehicle. And then sure. it was like Bradley's doing this. And pill. then it makes a lot of money. It's literally popped up. I also, I'm just I, ripping yeah. it off. I also think he's really good in Limitless. He's good. I think he's good too. I, I think that Limitless fun. is like a fun De Palma yeah. movie. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, I, I got no beef with Limitless. No beef with Neil Berger. And I remember uh, Todd Phillips doing yeah, like well, Victory. Yeah. I remember Todd Phelps doing Victory Lap interviews where he was like, see, I told everyone that Bradley Cooper was a fucking movie star and look at the opening weekend of Limitless. I was so fucking right. Right. Like he was this movie star that no one was giving the chance. Um, totally. Then, you know, Place Beyond the Pines. He's great in that. He is. That yeah. movie's a mess. Silver Linings Playbook, obviously. Okay, so then, Colossal movie. Right. You know. Because he's in this, okay, he's doing smaller things. What's he going to be? What type of movie star is he going to be? He makes that movie The Words, which was like his passion project that his friend directed. Ugh. No one goes to see it. And then Silver Lining, it's like, okay, now he's gotten an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. The film is critically respected. Uh, it, it made a, a ton of fucking money mm-hmm. and he and Lawrence may be there appearing now. So they immediately go off and make Serena. Yeah, in between these also, the hangovers keep coming out and they right. always do well. Which so. keeps him afloat because he's got a franchise. Right. But it's this weird kind of like up and down thing. He's not having like real lows, but it's like, what is the Bradley Cooper movie star thing? Like mm-hmm. people are trying to figure it out, right? Yeah. Doubles down with uh, David O. Russell. Yep, pops up in American Hustle. Gets another nomination. Is he good in that? I think he is. He's big. That I movie think drives he's me good. crazy. He's I know it. Very does. big. Yeah, that's a movie I'm terrified to ever watch again. Yeah, because shitty. Uh, Guardians, uh, the Galaxy. What I still think is his best performance. He's, I don't think it's his best. He's, he's. I think he's underrated in those movies. So Some people fucking good. Really hate his performance in that. I it's think weird. those people are dumb. Rocket wow. Raccoon's my favorite. Weird to call uh, people dumb. Yeah, dumb yeah. people. Uh, people with dumb brains. I think the thing people underrate about Rocket. His voice is that he's doing a whole performance. Like his voice doesn't Thank sound like that. You, yeah, yes. Also, he's always on set, and he they shrink him down f- to do the mocap. Yeah. they have a shrink ray. Yeah, and, and they, that's a lot they to put a body through. The fur on one strand at a time. It's so crazy. He has to prepare. It takes thirty six hours for each one day of shooting. <laughs> so they have to space out his days. No, of they shooting. have to shoot it on Neptune because where the days are longer. That's what they gotta do. It's right. crazy. I'm itching for this card. <laughs> card? You got a guillotine in your <laughs> hand. Remember, you're the executioner. Ben is holding a tiny guillotine. <laughs> uh, yeah, Serena, it's a piece of shit. My favorite thing about Serena that I think I've said on this podcast before is that when Passengers came out, Jennifer Lawrence was like, I had to shoot my first love scene with Chris Pratt. And like one journalist was like, you you like had sex a bunch in Serena. No, I didn't. And she was like, doesn't exist. <laughs> like she just never acknowledged that movie. Right. Then in 2014, American Sniper, his best performance, in my opinion. You think that's his best performance? Definitely. Okay. I think he's excellent in, in that movie. I agree. But he gets movie. his third consecutive Oscar nomination in three years. Yep. Yeah. Hey. And I remember saying to you at the time, Jesus Christ, when Bradley Cooper wins an Oscar, he's going to win so fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because he's now become this guy where he's bankable, he's a leading man, and he's a real kind of respected, serious actor. Right. And then he did a weird 2015. Which was some sort of leftover stuff. Well, Aloha is leftover, for sure. Burnt. Uh, Burnt. Which was clearly him wanting to get back into that kitchen confidential mode. There are things about him where, like, he speaks fluent French. He loves cooking. And sometimes I think he takes, he would take a movie because he'd be like, I just want to play a chef again. Yeah. You know? But he kind of pushed Burnt. Burnt. Burnt was like a hot script that David Fincher almost made with Keanu Reeves. Then somehow it became a... Uh, John Wells movie that barely got released. Is it? It's John Wells. Yeah, I watched it on a plane, and it it barely rose to the level of like satisfying on a plane. Sounds like a John I, Wells movie. I really wanted it to be. I saw that movie as being like, oh, this will be a good plane movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, burnt, burnt. And a low as a mess for him. But American Sniper, the thing is that he Enjoy. that was his project. He got that book. He attached Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg was going to make it. Spielberg dropped out and he was like, I'm not going to go lower. I'm going to get a real fucking veteran historical Hollywood auteur to make this movie. Gets Eastwood and then it's the fucking biggest movie. It, it's a it, huge this movie. insane box office performance we don't talk about enough. It's a weird culture war movie kind of like Passion of the Christ where like people start assigning it all this sort of big deal like, oh, this is like conservatives. The, the real America loves this movie or and whatever. it's an R-rated drama that opens to $100 million. It's long too long movie does it, i mean it becomes i think then the highest grossing film in the history of warner brothers until uh, it's supplanted by something else that's fine i mean i would assume that one of those dc movies supplanted it right right i think so i think it was at the time of its release the biggest film warner brothers had released it's now number five okay i don't think it was because you got deathly hallows oh right um, but then it's been, I know, and you got Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. But it was high up there. That's what it was. It was yeah. their biggest non-Potter, yeah. non-Batman. Yeah, biggest, right. Right. Those are their two big franchises, and then it was American Sniper. But the other thing in 2015 was he's in every episode of Wet Hot American Summer, first day of camp. Which he's which really he's awesome in. good in. Yeah. I love that he's in that. And they pointedly only had him for like a day and a half because he was also doing Elephant Man on Broadway. He, it it genuinely tanked the the second iteration of that that he wasn't in it in my opinion like having Adam Scott do it like I love Adam Scott but you were just sort of like eh you know whatever and the other thing is I think they wrote that character assuming they could only get him for a day so he doesn't really have any consequence in the plot which right. would have been fine if it was Bradley because I think he's really good in it and I think his chemistry with Michael and Black is very underrated when people interview uh, Bradley Cooper about uh, love scenes and ask him who his best on-screen kiss was, he always says Michael Ian Black, which I love. I think that's really sweet of him. Yeah. Um, it's a hot scene. It's so good. I love how uncomfortable that scene used to make people in college when I showed them that movie. Yes. Like, I used to show people that, like, all my buddies, because I was, like, a comedy nerd, and I'd be like, let's right. watch this weird movie. Because right. in America, that movie, I mean, in Britain, that movie was anonymous. Like, no one had ever heard. Shh. I'm sorry, Ben, can you pull that cleaver out for a second? No, Griffin. Um, yes. I, I mean, that was the moment where I was like, oh, this movie is a masterpiece, is they do the scene where you clearly think you're about to see 16 sets of boobs, and instead they show you the most torrid, tender, romantic gay right. sex scene. I know. I love that scene. Um, and the joke is that it's a really, really fucking good sex scene that would always make would people's so brains explode. Yeah. Uh, but they're all good. Whatever. They're bad. I don't know. I'm a stupid people are friends. bad. Movie's good. People, people are definitely bad. Uh, he's in War Dogs. Uh, right, because he's now producing partners with Todd Phillips. They got a shingle at Warner Brothers. They're kind helping each movie. other's movies. It's not kind of. It is a dumb movie. Okay. Um, 
But Todd Phillips, producer on Star is Born. Yeah. Which was a film that Clint Eastwood wanted to make for a while. Yes. I think someone else wanted to make it before him. Let me try and find I mean, Warner Brothers had gotten Eric Roth to write a new version. They said, well, it's been 40 years. It's time to do a fourth Star is Born. Um, so Star is Born, 37, I think, 54. And then 77? 76. 76. Uh, yeah, 37, 54, 76. Right. So, it was like, so there's like a 90s Star is Born that didn't happen. Yes. You know what I mean? Because it's every two decades, there's a new Star is Which Born. I'm not saying it's the same movie because it's obviously a very different story, but the bodyguard feels like what happened instead of a 90s Star is Born. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Culturally. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Totally, totally. Yeah. Big soundtrack. Uh, and it's about the perils of fame yeah. and it's a tragic love story and all of that sort of stuff. So this script's floating around forever. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce was going to be in it, directed Clint Eastwood, by Clint Eastwood. Beyonce and DiCaprio was the original announcement. And it was like, why yeah. are they doing this? That sounds so weird. Why are they making this movie again? Does anyone need it It was again? also in that moment when Beyonce was trying to be more of like a sort of regular movie star. Right. You know, when she was doing projects like Dreamgirls and... Uh, uh, what was the one? Uh, the one obsessed? Where obsession. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. Whatever, it's, Whatever called. it's called. Yeah. Fi- uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And Cadillac Records. Like, you know, where she's doing these like roles. Yes. And now Beyonce is just like Beyonce. Like, and <laughs> Nala. That's true. She is in that. A movie I am on the record. We'll say again. I think it's going to be the highest make... grossing film of all time. Yeah. Uh, you're wrong. Well, um, let's I know. It's a good bet. Yeah. It's a good bet. It's fun to have a bet. It's fun to have a bet. God, he's so mad at me, Ben. Look at him. Seething with rage? The fuck? Well, you gotta stop mentioning that you grew up in England. Ben! No, I grew up in England. Yellow card, Ben! Uh, Beyonce... I can't give I stole your cards. You picked up the knives. I stole your cards. All right, fine. Beyonce dropped out. Esperanza Spaulding, who is really, like, big for a second there. She won, like, Best New Artist in the Grammys. Like, Eastwood was like, well, cast her. You know, yeah. I think Eastwood was just like, who's the young musician I can cast? And I think they thought about... And Cooper, that's when Cooper joins. Okay, but the other guys they go through when DiCaprio drops out are like every other A-list guy. It's like Tom Cruise almost did it. Will Smith almost did it. Almost, but like those names, it's like they were certainly offered the role. Right. right. Yeah, they, I mean, they clearly all this became a priority for them. Then Cooper signs on. Beyonce had dropped out because of her pregnancy. But now enough time had passed that they thought maybe she was going to come back and do it. There was a point where it looked like it was going to be Eastwood, Cooper, and Beyonce. But the movie doesn't work if it's Beyonce. Um, the movie fundamentally doesn't work if it's Beyonce sure. because she's already too colossal. You and think it doesn't work if it is Beyonce? I agree. That's no, what I'm saying. No, I disagree with you. The, a Star is Born always stars an immensely famous person playing an ingenue. It's weird. I agree with you. Right. I think the interesting thing this version has going for it, when they announced Lady Gaga, I was like, that feels like a step down. But the the surprising brilliance of that casting choice is, well, you've never seen Lady Gaga as a normal person. But that's what, that's what these, it's always this weird comeback narrative for the right. superstar. Yeah. Like it, and it, that's, that's Beyonce how, doesn't need a comeback. Oh no, Beyonce would have been terrible. I mean, or that's maybe she would have been, no, uh, no, no, I know. I but think I, she's I, a I good think, actor. She is. I think she's really good in Cadillac I know. Records. She's so good. At, we've talked about it. Yeah. I think, she, well, maybe she would have been I think good. there's you too much know. baggage with her in terms of her already being such a fucking superstar. And the. She's so remote. And maybe it was, maybe she would have been awesome. God knows. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Clint Eastwood directing it. I don't know about that. Right. Like, then, that's the real thing. Right. He makes Jersey Boys instead. He was itching to make a musical. And Cooper just goes, like, wait, I guess. I'm going to direct this. 
And he, he for a while had been like, I want to direct, I want to direct. He kept on saying that, you know, I might take a year off from acting, I might do this. And after American Sniper, he clearly has the cash to do whatever the fuck he wants at yep. Warner Brothers. Because yep. Warner Brothers still has this reputation of like, we got our people who we let make fucking movies. Sure. Clint, Nolan. Right. Uh, I think Todd Phillips is one. in that category. Oof. Their relationship. Um, there's another obvious one, isn't there? And there's some other like yes, big deal Warner Brothers director. Right. But they like to lock people in and be sure. like, you belong here. Uh, yeah. Um, Warner Brothers. Yeah. I mean, I guess Zack Snyder, I don't know, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of, right? Right. Like, they were kind of like, whatever you want, Zack. Yeah. Ding dong. Oh, boy. Ding dong. I haven't even gotten to the movie yet. <sighs> Sorry, I, I signed up for the subscription box service um, where they, uh, it's embarrassing, they blackmail me with, like, the, the worst memories, my worst artifacts from my life. Okay. I mean, I said I signed up for it. I didn't sign up for it. Someone is blackmailing me. That's what's going on here. So every... Every month I get a new box of carefully curated curios from my past, things I'm trying to repress. So here, here's my, my beauty shop essay. Uh, here's a oh, photo God. of when I had long hair in eighth grade. Oh, very cute. Uh, this is my Abercrombie and Fitch phase. It's just a box of things I don't want to remember. Yeah, don't buy clothes pre-ripped. That's yeah, I know. I was so into the pre-ripped jeans. Okay, well, I have great news for you. What? We can take all that stuff that you obviously want remembered and we can digitize it. We could put it on a thumb drive, a digital download, a DVD, whatever you want. No, it sounds like that's the opposite. No, of what that's I have what right we're going to do. You see, cause legacy box, what they do is they get all your home movies, right. your photos, any, anything you like keepsakes that you want to kind of like store. Forever. I don't want this stuff though. Someone yeah. stole this from me and no, no, no. is sending it to me. Blackmail. They're trying ever. to kill my career. Like what? literally like, cause you know, like a VHS tape, like that could degrade. Like things, you know, these these precious home movies, things like that. Right. Like you doing the performances weird... I pointedly hidden and buried. Deep right. Down like the so... stand up with the action figures you used to do when you were a kid. That all was that... pretty good. To okay. Be right. fair. Okay. Well, well, perfect. Even all the more reason. Maybe we don't want to put that on the thumb drive then. No, that's yeah, it. The... Yeah. Summer camp thumb drive. Okay, I get it. Okay, so with Legacy Box, you just you throw that all. They send you a big box. Okay. This one big box you got right here. Yeah. You throw it all in. You send it to them, and they, you know, they can take care of it for you. Essentially, they can put it on a thumb drive, yeah, or a digital download. Not or like whatever. this home video recording of when I used to do the Bugs Bunny bathtub routine. Yeah. That one <laughs> might need its own thumb drive. Yeah, a red thumb drive. So, David, what you're saying is this legacy box is almost like a Criterion Collection box set of your life. Yeah, sure. I mean, or or photo album or uh, any any kind of like curated, restored old media. You know, because like I've got home video, like tapes. Yeah. Like of me doing beautiful, wonderful things like pointing at my nose when everyone asks where my nose is when I'm two years old. Things like that. You know, it's really not, genius shit. It's not that impressive. Anyone can do that. Ben, where's your nose? It's right here. It's oh, me. he did it. It did take him like 15 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> uh, and I can't, I don't have a VCR. I can't watch that. Yeah. Like, and so if I send it to Legacy Box, they can like help me re-experience my glory days or your glory days. I don't want to re-experience my glory days. My oh, life started at 24. <laughs> um, so if you send them your old movies, your pictures, they'll do the rest. They'll professionally digitize your moments onto a thumb drive, digital download, DVD, uh, they have easy to follow instructions. They give you these safety barcodes. They won't lose your stuff. They keep track of it. Like at every moment it goes mm -hmm. through their facility. 
Uh, you get all these personalized email updates. They've got 450,000 families have trusted them with this extremely uh, delicate work. It's all done right by hand right here in America. And it sounds like they're upstanding people who won't try to blackmail you. Well, yeah, someone is, you're saying, trying to blackmail you, but it's not Legacy Box. It's not Legacy Box, and I wish I had signed up for Legacy Box instead. Uh, well, so there's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories, so you can just visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. And for a limited time, they're offering Blank Check listeners an exclusive discount. You go to LegacyBox.com slash check, get 40% off your first order. So check to make sure you're going to Legacy Box, and then that's the end of the story. Oh, uh, wait a second. No, it's, I think it's a little different. It's more that you go to LegacyBox.com slash check. You can get 40% off or save up to $200 on the lar- largest Legacy Box kit. So if you go to LegacyBox.com slash check and save 40% today, you can get started preserving your past. As I cleanly state, I will not give in to blackmail. Try and intimidate me as much as you can. I also don't have any money to give. All right. LegacyBox.com. Um, so Bradley Cooper makes this movie and it feels like oh Bradley Cooper has kind of like gone off the grid for a little bit because like yeah he you didn't know? make anything really. no he yeah. was working on this and he, and he spent a long time like now in all the interviews he's talking about I spent I spent a year working on the voice before we even started filming I was doing three hours a day lowering the octave of my voice going hey 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 just, hey. just watching fucking the big Lebowski's Sam Elliott scene over and over again yeah Sometimes uh, there's a man. You know, and then meanwhile, Lady Gaga, obviously, you know, a phenomenon out of the gate in terms of her discography, like uh-huh. her first three albums. Well, her first two albums, really. Right. Um, but she had also, you know, Started her record dipping. sales went down. I mean, like, I know everyone's record sales went down because, like, people don't but buy record records sales anymore. did go down. And yeah. Her, and her touring sales went down. You know, Ben and I were talking about before you showed up, like, you know... She was she was in this thing where everyone was like, how is she going to top herself next? Right. Like with all this crazy shit she does. Right. Which is an impossible game to play because you can't do that forever. Well, it was like like sort of trying to do a Madonna thing. But the other thing is that Lady Gaga was always sort of like a performance art piece. Yes. Like, you know, because it was so much about the sort of, um, I don't know, the artificiality of it where it was hard to engage with who the real person was underneath. And I, I've heard a bunch of stories about her. I mean, her... Start was sort of like this, and she was like a bridge and tunnel kid who would come in and do shows when she was 16 at cabarets and things like that. And everyone's like, man, she's an amazing singer. This she went that. to NYU right. and dropped out. Um, but it, the legend, and who knows if this is true, is that she was like, I know the kind of singer I want to be, mm-hmm. the kind of like old style, like ballad crooner I want to be, and I think that music isn't popular anymore, so I'm going to do what it takes to get in the door. Sure. And she sort of latched on to EDM. I mean, the types of songs that would become popular, the persona that at least would make people interested, the game of one-upsmanship of what she's going to wear to the red carpet. I mean, all the stuff she needed to do to make a career that was very strategic. Um, but the goal was to sort of end up doing the stuff like her Tony Bennett album, you know? The Tony Bennett album's a weird one. Right, but then that's the other thing is once the later albums start to come out, she's like, okay, now I'm sort of peeling back. I think that's just her being like, I'm a great singer. That was sort of, I was, but, yeah. But the yeah. point is, I think that's what she always wanted to well, do. Well, she's a great singer. Right. And she starts peeling back the persona and her popularity starts to fall a little bit, you know? Yeah. I. So it's like, was Lady Gaga time in a place? Is she she still gonna... has her like super intense fan base that's Monsters. like, you know, she can sell out a stadium, no problem or whatever. You know what I mean? Like she still got that. I, I It's so hard to stay in the like who, apart from Beyonce, there's so few pop stars. I, mean, I guess like Taylor Swift yeah. 
has been in the zeitgeist for like a sustained decade at this point. But even she struggled with the last album. Like, yeah, it's so hard to reinvent every fucking time. You know, I agree. And if you do this, you you have this problem. Yes, <laughs> constantly trying to reinvent and never work. Uh, but, yeah. Especially because my reinventions always seem exactly the same as what I was before. <laughs> like, I've reinvented myself six times since this podcast started. That's true. I used to wear white shirts, and now I wear gray shirts. Yeah, he's wearing a, a handsome gray Heather shirt. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, she did the Super Bowl in uh, 2017, I want to uh-huh. say, last year, and, you know, was good. I feel like people were starting to act like they were kind of over it, though. Yeah, de- no, I, definitely. You know. There was the year she did uh, uh, she My Favorite such Things a on the hits. Oscars. Uh-huh. And people were like, oh, you, you know, she can really sing. Lady Gaga. But her song stopped being zeitgeisty because she had her poker face and bad romance and all the songs that were really just Telephone. like unavoidable. Alejandro. Yes, 100%. She had an amazing run for like two, three years where every single was a big deal. Right. She comes out with Born This Way. Yeah, that single was a big deal, but that the rest of the album doesn't. Album kind of doesn't yeah. go anywhere. That's when people are really like, your music is not as crazy as your performances. And I think people start to resent that. Uh, and then she does um, art pop, which is okay and has two bangers. And doesn't is, do doesn't sell well. that well. And then she does uh, cheek to cheek, which is her just being like, listen, listen to me saying. And Tony yeah. Bennett's like, huh, what a what a classy name. Yeah, I don't know, Tony Bennett. Sure, is he like four thousand years old? Yes. Approximately. And then she does this album, Jolene, which I think is related to the music in this movie. This much more stripped down sort of country singer singer songwriter stuff. Right. And I think, yeah, like that's like that that vibe is is influencing a lot of the music she wrote for this movie. She'd been trying to act for a while. She made very clear that she was like a theater kid, that she wanted to be acting. Um, I feel like she was always getting floated around for stuff. She does the season of American Horror Story. She hosts SNL. Horrible season. Not really her fault. It's yeah. just a bad. And I she mean, wins the Golden Globe, which felt very much like a Golden that Globe was star such a fuckery Globe paid thing. off yeah. kind of thing. So it's like, okay, I guess we can't take her seriously as an actress. And then Bradley Cooper hires her. Right at the same time, yeah. Which almost feels perverse. Okay. Like he's trying to prove a point, but I think that is what works really well about her casting. I mean, as you said, like, you know, the Judy Garland thing was like, that movie was a comeback vehicle for her. Uh, yeah, for sure. 100%. Streisand was kind of on top of the world already at that point. That, yeah, that movie, which she did not direct, is more Streisand being like, I can control this project end to end. Right. Like, you know, her being like, I am a mogul. Like, That's I'm when not just, she's, you know. Right. Uh, becomes, you know, sort of that overbearing over all of her films. Um, right. I, have you seen the other stars are born? I have only seen the original. The 37, the Gainer, uh, yes. Frederick March. The first three are all on Filmstruck right now. That's right. On paid plug. Um, but I've only seen the uh, the Gainer one. I know the Garland one's really the one to see. Right? The Garland rules. Yeah, I mean, it's I love very long. Too. It's like a yeah. very, it's right. a three it's a very classic movie. 50s big musical. She's right. fantastic in it. It's very of its time. And I love James Mason. James Mason's good yeah. in it. Although, like, you know, James Mason's creepy. Like, that's. He, and so he's kind of well deployed, but also you do struggle a little bit sometimes. The relationship is. Very paternalistic. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's a good actor. He's such a, yeah. Which, when this trailer came out, and I would hear people who didn't know that it was a remake, didn't know the original story, say, like, oh, they're telling you the whole movie in the trailer. And I'm like, they're not, because Star's Born, like, you know it's how Star Born. Born ends. That's clearly just the first chunk of it. It always ends with someone hanging themselves with a belt? Uh, it always ends with death. The, the oh, guy, okay. di- in the first two, the guy walks yeah, into the scene. Spoiler alert, yes. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh well, shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, come on. shit. Right. 
But it always ends. Uh, I mean, the it always ends with the guy being told like you're no fucking good. The axiom they use is yeah. the for one star to rise, another must fall, and the movie uh, ends with this sort of tragic. I mean, because th- there is the other sort of weird unofficial Stars Board remake, yeah. which won yeah, Best yeah. Picture five years ago, and it's called The Artist. Sure. The I artist so. is a stars born but with a happy ending. Right. It also sucks. It's fine. It's, it's, it's an ultimate gentleman sex. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You're just like, oh, that's nice that you made that. Right. But it's also like, it's a star is born, but even less interesting. Because, right, it's really the very basic narrative. Like, you know, yeah. he's up, she's down. Then she's up, he's down. Like, it's right. Like, there's, there's like... You know, because it's a silent movie. Like, it's so pastiche Like Right, but it is very identical to Stars Born in the structure, other than that he gets his sort of revival right, moment. Right. Yeah, I mean, which is horseshit. Yeah. I mean, whatever, it's fine. The ending of that movie is cute, but it is sort of more hey, like, he David, figured it out. David, like, we pleasure. We pleasure. That movie. Um, yeah, remember remember when right. we gave that all the Oscars? Mm-hmm. And they went back and took and like Oscars away from awards? other movies. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I remember in the lead up to that, people being like, look, I mean, it's got a good chance for an Oscar run, but it's not going to win a single Critics Award because it's such a populist movie. And then it won like every Critics Award. Right. Like every Critics group gave it Best Picture. Um, and, and they gave it with pleasure. <laughs> the, the nutty thing is that he won Best Director. Like, because, you know, there's been so many yeah. director splits these years with the Oscars, yeah. you know. And that's one of the non-splits, you right. know? Yes. Know. It's very odd. Because it's kind of the thing where it's like, if you think this is the best picture, you kind of have to give him the best director trophy because it's it's his movie. Yeah. You know? Yes. So. And same thing with Dujardin where they were like. Right. Yeah. He won an Oscar. He won best actor in a leading role. A, a French comedic actor I like a lot. Did he win Best Actor? Jean Dujardin? Yes, he did. Jean Dujardin Isn't that won crazy? Best Actor. Yes. Isn't that nuts? Yes. And and he didn't do, he didn't get the one role he clearly should have gotten on the victory lap post-Oscar. What was that? Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast. The sure. fact that we didn't cast him <laughs> as Lumiere. In, I will never stop complaining about it. shows you how quickly he vanished from American memory. He like, looks memory. like a fucking candle. <laughs> He's a handsome candle man. He does. He looks like Lumiere. And Ewan McGregor, who, an actor I like a lot, does a admittedly terrible French accent. When he was impressed with the movie, he's like, yeah, I really boffed well, the, the, the French accent. The thing is, right, he was like, I don't know how to do a French accent. And they were just like, just do it anyway. And he was like, okay, here it is. Oh, and they were like, great. <laughs> like, and, you know, and what like, you hear in the final film is his third try. They right, made him right. redub the entire movie twice. <laughs> hey, how about you just cast Jean Dujardin? Can we talk about a Star is Born? He would invite us <laughs> to be his guest. We please. <laughs> oh, God. Why does my John Dujardin sound like a rounding human? Boy. We please. We- <laughs> so here's the thing I'm avoiding. What? I didn't love this movie. Right. And you're angry at me and you said it made you lose sleep (laughs) last night. It did. We bought tickets together. I had a panic attack. I saw it separately. You guys saw it at the Alamo Draft House. I saw it at the weird Cinema 123 on like 59th and Lexington. I I think I have been to that theater, but not in a very long time. What's that theater like? They renovated it, so it's one of those recliner seat theaters now, and I love it. Mm. Sounds good. But it's one of the weird movie theaters. Is it a city cinema? It's not. It's like some other fucking chain that I can't even remember the name of. Look it up. It's not even like a Carmike or something like that. Okay. It's something weird. Okay. 
Um, Maybe City Cinemas rebranded or something. No, know. it's not. It is pointedly, I it believe. It might have been a City Cinemas, though. <laughs> I'm just having fun. You think I don't know from City Cinemas? <laughs> so the C, the big C, and then the little C. <laughs> Been walking the walk, talking the talk about City Cinemas since birth, baby. He is downtown Griffey News. He was I'm born in a City Griffey Cinemas. News. I was born in a City Cinemas. Um, they do half price tickets okay. after nine o'clock. It's like at post nine right. is nine dollars. Well, it's also right because every single person who lives on the Upper East Side is right. asleep. So they're or, like, hey, fuck it. Or Just come me. see it. The one right. insomniac on the Upper East Side. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I go see a 950 screen. I'm like, this could be depressing. It's sure. Gonna be it's empty. not going to be atmosphere. Wrong. So, near sold out. Because I think everywhere was like Packed just audience. Yeah. The crowd is like bustling. Awesome. People were so fucking into it. And I sat there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say this. I didn't love it. I don't dislike it. Uh-huh. I wasn't frustrated with it. Okay. But I had that thing. Okay. Where like, have you ever been on a date with someone you're like, I should like this person. I'm just kind of not feeling it. Yeah. This is someone I'm attracted to and it. we're getting along well. And for whatever reason, I'm not super compelled to see them again. Yeah. I'm, I get it. I just don't get it. Right. And I just sat there and I went like, I have minor gripes. I have things I would say are good about it. I'm sitting there and I just kind of felt like this is the least satisfying take though. Cause you're kind of just like, eh, that's yeah. why I've been dreading this episode since last night it for what? 12 for the hours? last 12 hours <laughs> because I walked out of it and I was like, Gentlemen, okay. wow, that's crazy. That's nuts. I don't get that at all. That's crazy. I don't get it. Ben, with you real, liked it with some real high points. Yeah. I ben thought it was it. great. Yeah. yeah. I got a little drunk at yeah. the screening. You did. I was like playing along with uh, Bradley's Coop. You uh, saw it at the Bradley's draft Cooper. house. Bradley's Cooper, yeah. And and you took advantage of the uh, bottomless whiskey promotion they don't have. I just kept writing more whiskey on the cards. Right. Um, Crushing pills with your boot. Well, as you do. Uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I really, I mean, you know, I like movies. Love them. And. Blanket. Um, Thank it. Yeah. Puke. And I. I I just kind of got a sense from seeing this movie and then I've read some reviews that sort of confirmed this mm-hmm. take, but it, it definitely was like, uh, it's like the kind of, uh, it reminded me of watching old movies with my parents. Okay. Like yeah. tonally, sure. it felt sure. that way. Well, it's a, and I it's never a do romance, that. which Hollywood yes. just doesn't make a lot of. No. Those. Right. Yeah. Like it's really, it's not even, especially a romantic drama. Yeah. It's a I romantic mean, if those drama. Exist, they're fucking Nicholas Sparks movies. And you right. look at Will Fetters, yeah. one weepies. of the credited screenwriters on yeah. this. And that's mostly what he's written. And I think that was the script. And then Roth and Roth like works on it and then Cooper works on it, right? It was Roth first. Maybe Roth first. Because maybe Roth wrote the, it's the, Roth, the Eastwood script. It's Roth, Ampersand, Fetters, and Cooper. Mm. I yeah, think Fetters so, and Cooper work together. All right. All right. Yeah. So Fetters is just bringing in that you know, what do you weepy right. like experience, I guess. Right. He yeah. wrote Remember Me and he wrote a couple Sparks movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the song from Cook. Yes, he wrote uh, Record of May. Um, I did think it was interesting that this movie, even though I haven't seen the 76 version, is really kind of focused on being a remake of the 76 version more than the earlier two. And you'll sure. notice that in the end credits, they go based on a script by Joan Didion, Frank Pearson. Would they, no, they credit both scripts. It, it's but two separate cards. 
Yeah, but I, I'm saying it, they don't credit the middle film. No, I think that yes, I think there's some. They have to credit the seventy six based on a version. story by yes, which is the original thing that they're all based on. Right, and the seventy six version. John Peters also gets his weird. Peters credit has of that. the rights to this movie. It's the same with Superman. John Peters has the best contracts in the world. Where yes. somehow he got the rights to. So fucking I believe these that is why that is the case. John Peters, who we all know, was a hairdresser who then. Uh, was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser who became her producing partner slash lover, lover slash then, studio executive right? and then became the head of Sony Pictures I mean, and then was notorious for in the 90s like calling people into his like meet office and being like Superman should fight a giant iron spider right. Spider-Man all the should Kevin fight a giant Superman Earth, right, all the, uh, he still gets money and credits for every Superman movie they make and he just seemingly wrote these ironclad contracts yes. for anything he was involved in because he's uh, credited, he doesn't have a PGA mark, so he yes. won't get an Oscar they nomination. Hard to make sure that he didn't. Get- but he's contract. Yeah. It's the because he's also credited on Man, with- Man of Steel. Yes, like he he's contractually he's credited obligated on on Justice League. I think he isn't. I think there's some weird thing where it has to be a Superman movie. But I can double check. I believe he's credited on that. And he on gives BBS. these interviews where he's like, Hollywood hates me, but I'm still in it, baby. And it's like this interview was conducted in a parking lot or whatever. You know, like it's <laughs> when well, like- he like wrote a book that was like his dirty tell all. Right. And then they decided not to publish it because they were like, this is gross. <laughs> this is disgusting. <laughs> like, You're a monster. Deadline ran a bunch of excerpts and then yeah. the publisher got shamed out of publishing it. No, he's only credited on Man of Steel. Interesting. Uh, and Superman Returns. Uh, his last movie that I think he actually worked on was Superman Returns. I think he had some involvement. I think with he that. didn't have any. Maybe not. So Ali is the one before that. I think that was. I think he also lot. owned the rights to that. I, yeah. I think Wild Wild West is maybe the last one he really. That had was the last hand. one he was really, and that's the giant mechanical spider. Right. That's where he finally gets his spider, and it flops, and everyone's like, "Go away!" Yes. Like, because that's the thing is like Hollywood spat that guy out long before it started spitting its monsters out. Well, it also just felt like he was the ultimate symbol of like everything that was like wrong, like the like the sort of outsized excess yes, of totally. Hollywood where it's like, oh, like an illiterate hairdresser right. who started the running weird, movie studios. Sure, the weird sort of nepotistic, right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Like, that he kind of fucked buddy. his way to the top. He always claims that shampoo was based on him because he was like this legendary fucking Lothario kind of dude. Anyway. Anyway, uh, we'll save that for our John Peters miniseries. Um, but so, you know the, way, the the Gainer one, obviously, she's an actress. Mm-hmm. It's an acting story, right? And then the big climactic scenes at the Oscars. Yes, the Garland one is a musical. She's a singer. They still do the Oscars because she's still it's, it's Hollywood. Yes, it's still it's Hollywood. Movies. It's back in the day when it's singers were stars it's of movies. Pictures, right. Yes. The the third one, and but I think the reason you graduate out of movies and move it to music is because, like there's less of a creative partnership that comes in at, you know what I mean? Like it's more interesting when they're songwriting partners. Um, yeah. I yeah. also think it's uh, something about how the studio system changed the way that stars were developed in Hollywood changed. But like the relationship between the man and woman in the first two is so, you know, he's just like, it's vampiric. He gets her a job. Like it's, it's, but it's also vampiric. I mean, there's, there's a bit of a, uh, a mild Svengali element. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's mostly, it, it's this, vampiric ego thing where it's like he wants the ego of feeling like he created her and then he can't deal with the hit to his ego of her becoming more successful than him. Right. And it really becomes the undoing of the man, the toxic masculinity and and pride and all that sort of stuff. And also though, in those movies, it's like he's a drunk and he's like, I love booze. You know, like, you know, it's like he is a a classic drunk, you know, Hollywood. evil sort of monster drunk. Right. Like Jekyll Hyde kind of. Yes. Right. This movie makes him much more of a tragic figure. Which is, I think, it's something that. As does the Christopherson one. Which everyone says Christopherson's the one good part of that movie. That movie sucks. Have you knew you haven't seen I it? I haven't seen it. 
it's you so want to love it yeah. because it's so like 70s and campy and yeah. like they have sex in a tub with like a thousand candles yeah, I mean, and her, it's Barbara. Right. And Christopherson's good. He has n- no character. You know, yeah. his character is the similarly one dimensional. He's just like a drunk. Yeah. But he's sort of like earthy and real. And you're kind of just like, I want to know about he's this a really guy. interesting screen presence. And yeah. I feel like Cooper w- sees that movie and is like, right. The guy kind of needs to be as interesting. Like, That's or else it doesn't take- really work. Well, yeah. What? No, I mean, if you love this movie, that's what you agree with. <laughs> you can just say you don't agree. I don't necessarily agree with it. What? Um, because I think it's a little less. I don't know. I mean, it's like I hesitate to even make this argument oh because boy. it's like I've only seen one of two of the four versions now. Right. Sure. And so it's not like I care that much about a star is born. It's my fucking fantastic four. And I have these ideas of what it needs to be and what it can't be. Sure. Right. But I, I find it a little less interesting if the movie is it's a doomed romance rather than this is sort of the, the cancer of show business, if that yeah. makes sense. And I think with him, the character, the Jackson main character having this loaded a deck of like, He's really kind of a victim of all these circumstances. Not that that removes him of any agency of his bad decisions. Sure. But he's sort of a tragic, doomed figure. He always is. Right. It's sort of it's so baked into it. He has to be doomed, right? But I think the doomed elements previously are more about like showbiz types. Yeah, but it's also like the disease of drink is always like coded in, right? Like, right. Yeah. But I think that's more tied to the sort of egomania of performers and movie stars and and rock stars whereas this the drinking is tied to sort of his family tragedy and his wounds I, and all of that. I don't think it's just that though which is why I love one thing I love about this okay. movie if I can counter sure yeah which is like he has that artist delusion and he keeps coming back to it in the movie of like you know it doesn't work if you're not real and so right. like if I am a fucking useless washed up like soggy drunk like that's only more real i'm living my yes. truth yes and like he loves it like even though he knows he's a mess like he's an asshole yeah. like you know like it's like when he sees her being quote unquote fake he doesn't even care that the song is bad he just he hates the apparatus he hates it. like you know and it's like i feel like that's the disease of rock stars like it's not just substance abuse i mean there's that too yeah but it's that thing of like I can't sell out. I can't be, you know, not real. Like he's sort of like, like Ryan Adams. Like, I know he's sort of, he's got this more seventies vibe, but it's like those guys now where they're like, you're like, can you just fucking settle down? You're in your forties now. Like I get that you lived a wild life in your twenties and you're touring and stuff, (laughs) but but like, but this is my question. Chill out. Motherfucker. About that character is, I can't really, pin down what the pastiche is. I think it, it, one thing I like about it is it's not he's not doing one guy because that would be too obvious, I guess, right? Like if he was just doing there like... There isn't yeah. really a contemporary example of who he's playing. And, right. I, I, and I'm interested to... That's why I said Ryan Adams because even though Ryan Adams has never been that big, he's that guy where you're like, can this... It's been 20 years. I right. get that you want to crank out like a new country rootsy album sure. every year, but like stop drinking. <laughs> I was thinking of the guy like in Adams. my morning uh-huh. jacket yeah. kind of vibe. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, like, you know, that's that's right. where he is. But yeah. um, I I don't know. My feel is that... Whiskey Town. This land of roots rock you said earlier, yeah. I think it's a good way of labeling it. To me, this kind of feels a little bit like just pandering to middle America. 
And that, well, that's, that's where that's where like, rock music lives now. That's the only uh, place it is. And is it though? Well, I yeah. don't know if that's true because I listen to a lot of cool indie rock uh-huh. and well, like indie rock, sure. But yeah, so I'm kind of saying you have a lot more country tinged rock now than you have kind of respectable country right. artists. If that There's makes sense, there's not a lot of rock and roll stars anymore. Like, who's a rock and roll star? Who we got apart from like Jack White's the last one? Axl Rose slash sure, of course. Go on. Duff McKagan. <laughs> is that another person in Guns N' Roses? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I literally couldn't name the, the others. Dizzy, Izzy. Oh, yeah, actually, maybe. Buckethead. Bucket you know, it's head. like, rock music weirdly just sort of like, as a as a chart-topping uh, chart phenomenon, kind of like, it kind of just stopped. Well, because like even I'm, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Meet me in the bathroom, right? Which about is right. the New York yeah, that, scene, that the final yeah. boom. That was like really, I think, the revival the of those guys. And last. Ryan Adams is like literally the villain of that book, where he keeps right. like they'll be like they were doing okay, and then Ryan Adams like popped out of a door and was like, "You want to try so much heroin? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you know what's good about heroin is it's very addictive, <laughs> and there's a bunch of it." <laughs> <laughs> right here in my jean jacket. <laughs> I think that's the thing that didn't happen though with the meet me in the bathroom guys is like the strokes never became an arena act. No, I mean, you know, I, I wonder if they ever sold out arenas and stuff. Yeah. I mean like obviously you got your, your U2s and your, your nineties rock bands, but yeah. Right. But I, I think those bands so that become disconnected. that big. Like, I don't know who sells out a stadium. Now. I don't either. I yeah. have no idea what goes on in music anymore. Those bands that become that big aren't as hard edged and the idea of like man they're fucking rock stars living a rough life like it's the opposite where it's remember like roadies though remember roadies though I mean that was kind of about a similar kind of music yes yeah like that band the opening song of this movie I couldn't stop thinking about fever dog yes I, the opening song in this movie which I can look at I think it's a good rules. song but it's very fever dog ish isn't it yeah well, fever it, dog um come on walking out my dog <laughs> definitely fever when, dog well, even think about how we doing? Um, think Great. about how like um, I had so many panic attacks yesterday. <laughs> oh, like my rock, God, I'm worried about you. Rock stations, like rock radio stations. Yeah. I mean, the way they curate their playlists is they're mm-hmm. still just playing the same songs from the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Right. And so I kind of even feel like the choice with making this reflect on. I guess kind of the country, new country sound. Yeah, like of. you say, my the reverby kind of rootsy. Yeah, rock. yeah. I mean, I guess I keep that, saying rootsy, it, but that's it what makes it is. Makes sense, yeah. but it's just also it's my so morning jacket not, can sell out an arena easy, right? Like for many days. It's just so not a thing though that I think is like part of really mainstream culture, and I, it just to me it makes sense, but it's like a little weird. I agree. I think one of the things I'm trying to remember, I listened to some podcast where someone came on and was sort of a classic rock expert and was talking Black about guys. the phenomenon That's what that of song's it. called. So good. Yeah. Um, but he was talking about the big thing that shifted is the rockers who got big in the 70s and especially in the 80s never stopped touring. Yes, exactly. Which was a new And that's where phenomenon. the money is. Right, yeah. Because those guys are the guys who were those guys 20, 30 years ago are the ones still living like this. Keith Urban, I'm looking at like who's playing the stadiums in New York. But I think like, Keith Urban's had publicly rehab stints and things oh, yeah. like that. I mean, oh, he's yeah. a little more like that. I think the problem is like, it's like because album sales don't really matter anymore. Right. Because the radio is not the like yeah. dominant culture. It's like, that's where you make your money. You got to tour. You got to tour constantly because it's like, that's how but you also can all these other. I mean, cash. it's sort of, it becomes like the Starbucks rock thing where the sure. people who become the biggest touring acts are the people like Maroon 5 or like Coldplay where you kind of have to play to everybody. 
Sure. And part of those guys' reputations is that they're like nice people. Like, who knows? Like, you know, maybe like fucking like Adam Levine is like huffing ether rags before he goes on stage. But one of the things is that someone like, to isolate that, send it to Adam Levine. Yeah, please. But like, you know, he's on The Voice and he like promotes Clearacell and he's like, not trashing hotel rooms. And if he is, they're very carefully trying to make sure that no one knows that. Oh, I thought you said he very carefully breaks the mirror. He does do that as well. <laughs> but then he makes it into like really interesting sort of like mirror art. But my point is, in order to become that big, you kind of have to pointedly not have that sort of baggage. And the mystique of, oh, my God, he's like killing himself and he cares about the art so much. The sort of Cobain thing, which when this film was being developed. Sure. That's part of In the Eastwood version, the Eric Roth version, they said they were trying to base it more directly off of the Cobain type of, Uh, I believe, from my art. Or Pearl Jam or whatever. You know, those sorts of, yeah. Right, but you go either those people died or they're Pearl Jam and now they've kind of become dad rock and they're still a thing. And they write songs for Sean Penn movies. Um, but I think that it is wise for the movie to have that kind of rockism versus poptimism uh-huh. uh, debated at center because that is, maybe maybe that battle has is over, right? But sure. Even a few years ago, kind of what, you know, like that's a good push and pull in music culture that yes. you can like sort of like, you know, have at the heart of your movie. It's a good idea. Yes. In conclusion, A plus five stars. Okay. This has been Blank Check. Sorry. I just think the, there used to be the mythology, the lore of like, did you hear how fucking insane this rock yeah, star yeah. was? Where it's part of how crazy. Right. And I feel like the equivalent to that now is Kanye West. But every time Kanye West does something, people go like, but this is probably just a publicity stunt, right? This is like a performance. Well, and I mean, yeah. There's also, that question. It, it, it became also just like, is he okay? You know, right. like. Oh, I God, feel like you know. a lot of the like. Um, kind of like psychedelic almost like rap acts like mm-hmm. the kind of like the guys who were like real into like uh the lean and there's uh-huh. like kind of yes. the trap music yeah, that becomes more true. the thing that mm-hmm. to me feels Someone like, like little wayne like is like closer to what bradley cooper's playing where it's like ah oh, this guy's got so much ability and he can't keep himself straight right right but you he know he kind of is playing little wayne in this movie <laughs> <laughs> so we've 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 hit on it. That's okay. what it is. So Bradley Cooper is Lil Wayne, and Lady Gaga is sort of a reverse engineered Lady Gaga. In this kind movie. of. I mean, she's got the Long Island girl kind of like big Italian family vibe, all that stuff. Andrew right. Dice Clay in such a good performance. I, this is, okay. Genuinely, the reason I was shocked you didn't like this movie is because Andrew Dice Clay murders it. And I was watching, I was like, "This is Griffin." When he like, came on screen, I was butter. like, five stars. Here I go. Here we are." <laughs> so the first. I love the whole supporting cast, except with one exception. Who? I think the agent's really uninteresting in this movie. Yeah, he's The sucks. manager character. I just think, I don't even blame the actor as much. I just think there's no nuance bit. to how they... But that, again, every movie, it's exactly the same character who does exactly the same thing. He only exists but for three is, things. This is, yeah. And maybe this, you know, maybe I'm reflecting too much of my own shit on this, okay? Oh, boy. Because this you've never, is... You've never done that. Never before. done that. So I, I never view it's weird movies to think through that a you personal would do that. lens. No. Right. Yeah. Um, but, it, but I also think it's something, and once again, not as someone who's like a fucking student of all the different versions of Star is Born, sure. but understanding the myth of why this story has persisted in Hollywood as yeah. this, what like, price Hollywood, right, right. This cornerstone, you know, is that the idea of like Hollywood as this kind of, or show business rather mm. as this sentient sort of malicious cloud. Right. It's, it's enthralling. It propels you to fame and fortune, and then it kind of like calcifies around you, and suddenly you're trapped. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's high risk, high reward. The agent is always that. The agent is like, right, is like 
commercialism sort of seeping in and being like, well, you got to so, do this, that, the other, you, this guy's a problem now, you know, that. Like My problem is I feel like the movie doesn't have that cloud other than the agent, whereas at least in the Janet Gaynor version, what I understand of the other two is it's all sort of of a piece where it's like, this guy is almost like a manifestation of what's happening around them. Um, Whereas until mm -hmm. the agent enters, I'm like, yeah, this seems fine. I mean, Bradley Cooper's got a drinking problem, but I don't, that doesn't feel connected to the industry. It's connected to his notion of what kind of artist he needs to be. Yeah. Which I, and once again, it gets into my perverse things. I like movies that are very cynical about how much uh, the industry ruins people. About how much the bubble around people fucks them. Yeah, but that's okay. Wait, what? I'm confused. You're saying this movie isn't that. I think it kind of isn't that. Uh. I think this movie's kind of the Titanic. It's the Doom love story, but the Doom right. is this guy is a ticking time bomb. Not this industry will end up corrupting one, if not both of them. But like, because everyone other than the agent character in the movie, I'm not saying everyone comes off as a good guy, but you have a lot of people around him who are really trying to help him. Kind of, but like noodles. Look, noodles is great, but like the noodle segment, which is wonderful, yeah, is like noodles being like, see, like you can live a regular life, like it's possible. I'm right. doing it. We're doing great. Like my wife is playing my wife. Robert De Niro's daughter is playing our daughter. Is that Robert De Niro's daughter? She's credited with the last name De Niro. I don't know what else to tell you. Interesting. I mean, that's right. That's my takeaway. Yeah, probably. Um, and Cooper is like, you know, Jackson. Yeah. Yes. Look, and we should go through the movie a little bit, but yeah, he's looking at this. And well, he just wants to take another look at it. Well, no, he's immediately like, David, yep, perfect. He just so, wants to take another look at it. Yeah, he wants to take, we all do. I just want to take another look at it. He, he, in that scene, he sees that, right? David? David? Yeah? With pleasure. <laughs> With the pleasure. With pleasure. Um, why hasn't he played Pepe Le Pew in it? That's what I'm saying. Warner Brothers, remember when they announced that they were going to do a Max Landis yes. Pepe Le Pew movie? Yes, I do. I can only imagine the visceral horror of that boardroom pitch. Like, seriously. Yep. Just picture it. Yeah. Uh, is it I heard that's Cronenberg's next movie, is the Max Landis yeah, Pepe Le Pew do the script. Uh, no, he's doing a movie about the pitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Hollywood. What price Hollywood? Um, Jackson looks at that and is like, Perfect. Let's get married right now. This is what I should do. And like, that's how you fix your problems, you lunatic. But once again, don't you think that's about the ways in which Jackson is broken rather than the way that sort of fame distorts these people? Success, I, the industry, I, the enablers. You're the more sitting there fame. I don't care I about am. fame that stories. What, There's so I mean, many I, of those enablers, all that shit. Which Here, once here's again, my this is my criticism. I just want to criticism. say this all quickly. Right. This isn't me saying I think the movie's bad because it doesn't do that. Uh -huh. I'm just saying I was sitting there watching going like, but I kind of prefer that kind of story more than this story they chose to tell. And it's just a matter of the story they chose to tell. That's why I'm sitting there and going, okay, but I don't now love I it. got my counter for you sure. or whatever. Like, I think that story is, I, I think that Cooper wisely makes it about two people rather than an industry because the industry thing's been done. Like, or, and like, and no one's done a movie like this in a long it's time. The fourth time. Right. And well, he's made a movie rather than a movie, which the other three are about fame yeah. corrupts, right? Yes. And the dude is always kind of a nothing character. And the woman is always a, like a lovely star making or whatever, mm -hmm. like, you know, sort of bright shining performance. Sure. This is a movie about like, he's looking at it, He's like, this is an extremely. He's taking another look at it. Uh, he's looking at it and he's like, 
uh, this is a codependent relationship like mm-hmm. that is as thrilling as it is a fucking disaster. Like as any like relationship like that could be, you know, and I'm going to show you how thrilling it is creatively for them. And I'm going to show you how much of a fucking disaster it is. So, I mean, and I think this is going to be the complaint you hear from people throughout the year. And even the people who like this movie admit this uh-huh. is the only three uh-huh. moments that I found thrilling are all in the first hour. Well, sure. Some people have been saying that. And some people have also been saying <laughs> ding dong. That, oh, there's a ding dong. Well, let me get the door and you say whatever you were going to say. Okay. But David, as I'm getting the door, I want you to say whatever you were going oh, to say. RX is a whole food protein bar made of real whole ingredients. And we want to be transparent and upfront with customers, which is why they're labeled with those core ingredients like egg whites, dates, nuts, to be on front of the package. And the flavor components are on the back, like unsweetened chocolate, coconut, apples. Hello? Oh, boy. <laughs> what's what's going to happen? Hello? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't know what he's gonna do. It's all in shadow, so I haven't seen this person's face. Oh I'm sorry. I'll here I'll adjust the lights. Just wanna get another bite out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm Jackson Maine. I love our X bar. So you like that they're the go-to snack, but welcome back from the dead, by the way. Uh, you like that they're the go-to snack that checks off a number of nutritional boxes and tastes delicious? Yeah, they're great for a number of occasions. Breakfast on the go, snack at the office to push you through your 3 p.m. slump, throw in your bag for the plane ride, toss in your backpack for a bike ride, or a pre-post-workout snack. Yeah, those are a bunch of things they're good for. I mean, you like how the real food ingredients actually taste good and how they're gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free? I like that egg white protein stands out as a source of protein that is easy for your body to absorb. So what are some of your uh, your favorite flavors, Jackson? Mango, pineapple. <laughs> Interesting. Wouldn't have thought that would be your favorite. Chocolate, hazelnut. Okay, well, there's some seasonal flavors, Peanut too. Peanut butter and berries. I've uh, yeah. got a pumpkin spice for the Halloween trick-or-treat. Oh, yeah, good point. Ha, 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 and ha. now they've debuted an RX nut butter, which has a few simple, similar ingredients, like egg whites, fruits, nuts, and, like, it's a little single-serve packet. And I'm, so, I'm sorry, don't are you don't stomp the pill on the table. It's not a pill. It's RX nut butter. I'm stomping it so that it can spread and pair great with fruit, rice cakes, pretzels, or straight out of the pouch. Yeah, because you don't need to stomp on it. It's squeezable and spreadable. Oh, you got it all over. Well, anyway, they got like honey cinnamon peanut butter. They got vanilla almond butter, regular old peanut butter. So, I mean, I've been I've been using these. It's like a great way to pick me up in the middle of the day. Right, Jackson? I constantly need to pick me yeah, up. Yeah, you do need to pick me up. Well, for your 25% off of your first order, you visit rxbar.com oh, slash check down. and you enter promo code check at checkout. That's uh, rxbar.com slash check for 25% off your first order. Wait, so I check to make sure I'll leave it blank. <laughs> I thought you were on the floor. I'm back. I'm Jackson right. Maine. So talking about the first hour, let's do the movie. Come on. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to run down this movie real no, fast. No, you got to say the promo code again. Check. Promo code check at checkout. So you checked to make for sure you leave it blank. I said it like five times, right. you fucking maniac. Keep that in. Double it. Wait, David. No, I love our expert. David. Just want to get another look at you. <laughs> <laughs> fucking phone goes up. Your dad's calling. <laughs> I wonder what this is about. I wonder if your dad will like this movie. I wonder if my dad is blackmailing me. <laughs> um. So the first 45 minutes, especially this movie, mm-hmm. 
I mean, to me, I'm just, I, 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 I think it's, I think it's very exciting, like poppy filmmaking. Like I really, really love the first hour of this movie. And I thought it was solid and I'm going to drive you insane. You're not driving me insane. I'll tell you the couple moments where I got the rush. Okay. okay. The one moment where I went, Ooh, I think I'm clicking into this movie mm-hmm. is not to jump ahead a little bit, but when she punches the guy at the bar. Sure. I got really excited that he's not the one who starts the fight and she does. Uh-huh. And it just felt like, oh, this is an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it is. And then you go to them at the supermarket and them in the parking lot. And I'm like, okay, this movie's cooking. Yeah, that's an amazing scene. Right. And then when we get to the scene that obviously is going to drive this movie to like a $60 million opening weekend. Maybe. It's certainly going to feast for months. I think it's going to be within $10 million of Venom this well, weekend. Venom's, that's my big Venom's thing. Venom's tracking at like 50 now. But I... Maybe they... Star is Born's tracking around 40, though, which is really good. I think it's going to do over 50. That's... Okay. The box office numbers do not bear that up. I said that to you a couple weeks ago. You told me I was crazy. I'm going to stand by it. I think Star is Born... Well, the Thursday preview numbers don't suggest that it will, is all I'm saying. Well... It's more in, like, a Martian zone. It's going to, like... I agree. I think it's going to make over $200 million, and I think it's going to open over 50 this week. All right. But wait, okay. This, the stage scene. The shallows moment. I, yeah. I felt uh, shivers throughout my entire body. Damn and right. I sat in a theater that looked completely wrapped in attention. And it is one of those. It's, yeah, it's like, and I'm telling you, I'm not going where it's like this movie so perfectly builds up to this song where you yes. have someone who has a commanding screen presence and the song is so engaging. Yes. And there's so much emotion in how they're doing it. And not just that, but like, you know, again, to run down how it's like, you know, him on stage, her at the shitty job, right? Yeah. And then um, they, you know, he's drunk. He goes to the bar. I really like her first performance and the way the whole, yeah. like the humor of that scene. What a like person he is, like how exciting it is for him to be a person. Like so much of what's exciting for him in that bar scene is that like immediately he can just like park himself at the bar and everyone's just like nice to him. You know what I mean? He's sure. so obviously because he's poisoned by like he hates when the fame shit happens, he always just shuts down and goes like, you're whatever, you know? Yeah. Like when the guy's trying to get the picture with him. But that he's so anomalous at this bar because yeah. they all know who he is, like, but they he's know not he is, the type of like, person. What are you doing right. here? And right. he's like, this drag bar? And they're like, yeah. And, and like, he's just having fun. And he's like part of a, like, these are artists. They en- yeah. They're enjoying yes. what they do, all yeah. of them. Yeah. And he's so taken with it. Like the idea that he sings for them, like at least when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, this is not something he would do. No. Like where he takes the cute bejeweled guitar, little arts and crafts, uh, you know, and sings the song for them. Like you feel like, which which one thing I love about this movie is how good he is. I think it's a great performance. I think he's very him. good in it. Yes. It's like he's immediately communicating. You're like, oh, this guy's kind of like out of a haze for the first time in a while. And that Sam Elliott says it later again after the big shallows performance where he's like, he hasn't done that, like performed that well for a while. Yeah. And in that first scene, he's like, so, you know, he's doing that kind of like, thing you see rock stars do something where they just like put their head next to the amplifier and are just like let me just like blast my brain cells away right and this is the other thing they set up is that he's got he's got tinnitus sort of, right right and he's sort of like you know i mean this is another reason ben loved him probably why because right? i'm also going deaf <laughs> yeah yeah i love being reminded of that uh hey ben yeah i'm just saying you came out of there with tears in your eyes but that's but that's my pitch for like what what's so fun about all the stuff pre him even meeting lady gaga really mm-hmm. And then, you know, then he's, then he's with her yeah. uh, and, you know, they've got the bar scene that you talk about. And the thing where he touches her nose, uh-huh. I think is so clever because it's like, it's so hard to do intimacy on screen without doing the same old shit. Sure. Like the audience I was with gasped 
at him touching her nose. Because it's just so weird that he's doing it. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It feels very like he's sort of like invading her space a tiny bit, but she's sort of like okay with it. But it's like her soft spot. And Lady Gaga's talked about how much she feels self-conscious about her nose. Like I mean, there are clearly a lot of things that he rewrote to fit. Right, they're borrowing these other stuff from her. The fact personal that he's life. literally yeah. doing a Sam Elliott impression, totally. the nose, the ear thing. I mean, he was Taylor making these roles to the cast Absolutely. he had. Right. And yes. it using their personal. backstory, their baggage. It feels very Casting personal. Robert De Niro's daughter. I, I should actually look that up. Yeah. <laughs> go on, go on though, go on. Um, I mean, this is this is what I'm like frustrated by, is that like I can't offer counterpoints to any of this. I just sat there and I hear everything you're saying and none of it was 100% connecting for me other than these moments. I'll tell you another moment that totally fucking worked for me. Yeah. The first night in the hotel when oh, they start making what? out. What? Trina De Niro is playing Chappelle's wife, maybe? So and now right. I take I think it that's back. one of De Niro's just, adult daughters. Chappelle's daughter is playing the daughter. That's what it is. Okay. I figured this. And that is I saw De Niro's a, daughter playing the wife. The, as the credits were scrolling, I just saw a Chappelle listed, Sana Chappelle and Drina De Niro. And I was like, oh, maybe like Chappelle's wife just played his wife. Like, Interesting. I wasn't okay. thinking. Anyway, yeah. I think it's, I got it reversed. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Uh, yeah, you, you, you get what I'm saying. You just didn't, you didn't lock in. Right. I And there were moments where I'd lock in and then I'd fall out of it, you know? And another one that really worked for me, you talk about- Jackson Maine falls out of a couple of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wagons, for example. One thing he doesn't fall out of is love with RX bars. <laughs> Big fan of the product. Are, Wait, are oh, he's going near Pacino. Yeah, just build a wall between them or something. I just want to take another nap on you. <laughs> Let me sleep! I'll rest my head on your boot. <laughs> I'm not wearing boots. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? What else we got? Right. And yeah. I was going to say the moment of intimacy that really got me. Mm. And that was the thing. I was looking for that moment. I'm, I'm going to analogize it to dating again. But you oh, know boy. when you're like on a first date and you're just like, oh, fuck. I'm really sure. like connect. We're like hitting some. Right. Like, it's not just that we like the same thing or something. It's like, right. There's some sort of. Uh, chemistry in the way we're talking there's like click, we get each other's rhythm where or whatever. you're just right. like I'm fucking harmonizing with this thing mm. and I love yeah that's how you refer to women right this thing yes <laughs> no because I was gonna say I love my favorite feeling is when I'm watching a movie and I feel like oh I'm falling in love with this movie right. not and I'm enjoying it but I'm just like I, I do agree. whatever you want and my I, favorite I'm Martian you. is Christopher Lloyd Okay, you made back the comedy points you lost earlier in the show. I was trying to find a place. Do you know that was my birthday party that year? I think we've talked about it on this, but I'm not anyway, sure. Who cares? Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, uh, you're, you're dating, the, the thing, where you're falling in love with a Right, so I'd movie. have these moments, because there's nothing I love more than when I'm watching a movie and that first moment hits and I'm locked in with it and then I'm along for the ride. In mm. this movie, I'd have those moments and then I'd lock out, you know? Nothing would turn me off, but I just wouldn't stay in it. Another one where I super locked in, the moment of intimacy that really got me where I almost gasped is the first night in the hotel, they start making out furiously. Sure. She goes to the bathroom. She, right. That's really Gets nice. The towel, the towel. In the pits and the crotch. Okay. And then she comes <laughs> yeah, out. Yep. And Sam Elliott's dragging him into the yep. bed, passed out, right? And Not I'm just like, dragging him, kind of like folding him into the bed, like almost yes. like with practiced efficiency. Right. And yes. we're going to talk about Sam Elliott's performance for two and a half oh, hours. Oh, God, he's so good. But, um, then she falls asleep in the bed next to him. And the thing that I kind of gasp at is when they wake up in the yeah. middle of the night and very silently Boom. start undressing each other. Yep. And I was like, this feels like a type of intimacy I don't see on I agree. The I, screen. Mean, I, I think that's what he has clicked on in his direction of the movie, right? Is he's so focused on the intimacy rather than the fame being the bewitching part. Right. 
which I think is so clever. And like for but that her, sort of middle of the for night her, thing. Like the, we the, both toss at the same moment, realize we're both awake for a moment. Oh yeah, and to- without no, it's talking or anything. No, it's great. Just right. are very like slowly, methodically. But it's also yeah. a little frightening because you're like, oh my god, this guy gets so drunk that he looks dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And then he just wakes up and he's like, let's get some eggs. But yeah. um, yeah. you know, but for her, so much of the intimacy is that um, she feels uncomfortable with the physical appearance. Well, no, no, no. Like so, like in the the parking lot scene, right? Yes. She doesn't sing for him until after he talks about like where he's from a little bit, right. pecan ranch and stuff. That's when she opens up a little bit. Like they're both like, you know, her thing that she's afraid of is that she can't be like seen as an artist. Like, right. She's a good singer, well, but like also, no one like, takes I mean, her, her seriously. Her dad keeps is, on saying like, why isn't it happened? Why isn't it happened? Right. He's talking about like some, sort of that's something that like Frank right. had. And like, she's like, I love performing. I love the music. Right. I've been through this. I've had the people reject me because they don't like my nose. I don't even want to pursue that kind of thing. Yeah. So she's one of those weird people where it's like, I'm not stopping my my regular performances of the thing I love. Sure. But I've sort of written off Given the notion of having to give into the industry because I don't right. even want to be part of that. Yeah, it's nasty. Right. Um, but so what's enthralling about him to her is like that he sees her as like an artist. Like he's excited by what she's got to say. The fact that say. he says, I think you're a songwriter that rather than I think you're a star right. is like a really, really good piece of writing. Um, because yeah. that's the number one thing she wants to hear is you know, you have something to say, not you're talented. Because yeah. he has the whole thing about everyone's got talent. Right. And that's where this bar and, has and talent. Conver- which I think is another great speech of his. I think that's a good one. Uh, yeah. And conversely, what, right, what he's so drawn to in her is like, oh, here's like a literal, just like a fountain of creativity. Like, and I'm sure. so dried up. Yeah. Because he never writes any songs in the movie. No. All his well, good except songs. except for the one at the end. Except for the one at the end, which yeah. rules. But all his songs are like his old songs, you know, and he's a star. Right. And he right. did good music, but you don't like he's like his, if he wrote songs now, he'd just be like, I sit in a hotel room and crush pills with my boot. You know, like he's he so lost. Seems like we're fillable now. Like he'd hire people to write a Jackson main type song. Yeah. And he has this romantic notion of like, Oh, well my daddy. And like, I bought the ranch. And then like, he actually goes to visit the ranch. The ranch is a fucking wind farm. And he punches Sam Elliott and Sam Elliott's like, yeah, I told you about this. Like I sold it years ago. He, you know, yeah. You were so fucking drunk, you didn't even hear me. Right, and also you're angry now, but you didn't even bother to look at it for right. the last exactly. decade or whatever it is. Yeah, like where his his notion of his quote unquote like rock star truth, yeah, is so far from the reality. Until she shows up, she sort of like gets him his creative fires lit, which is why I love that the Livian Rose scene is all red. Yes, so I know we're jumping all Someone's around, being but it's also I mean this is a movie that uh, people have doing. seen it. They've seen it this weekend, so it's not like we need to do like a retrospective. From a distance, no, for sure. But right I, over of I, it. I, right, the last part of before the shower scene, I do also love where they're doing that song, uh, where they're clicking the drumsticks together, uh-huh. like this sort of countdown song. Yeah, as she's like getting in Grunberg's car, going to the plane. They're on the plane, the plane, yeah. like, like that, that, like that. He's cross cut, which is so exciting. It's like action movie shit to me. I love it. Like it's so like momentum building and like the movie grabbing you and running you down the hall and being like, she's we're gonna run her right on stage. And you're going to totally buy that she can do this. It's one day of action. I know. The first like hour of the movie. I felt like she's got like a little bit of the Matrix Reloaded face, but not all of it. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, I get it, but it didn't work for me is Griffin's face right now. Yeah. I. It's a movie. It's a big old it is Hollywood a movie. movie. I understand that you're, you're going to bind the movie logic and I don't demand literalism. It, it does feel like there were times where I was like, Pretty big jump what, what, in wait. certain advancements of the story and he, how he he cuts ahead a lot. 
a lot. Yeah. I think that's just because he wants to keep moving. Like, like it would be ludicrous if it took place in two months. Like, there's a lot of time jumps in it. I don't like, even mean that. I mean, uh, uh, just sort of having characters come to things fast. Like what? Like, I mean... Like what? What's I your nitpick? You I don't want to be the Grinch coming down well, from Mount Well, you're the Trumpet Grinch. I hate like, to tell you, fucking Benedict Cumberbatch over here. Benedict Cumber Grinch, more like. I got like. a sidebar for a second. Oh, How do you hire Benedict Cumberbatch to voice the Grinch and, and direct him to sound accents. like me? I know, it's so weird. Because I was like, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch is playing the Grinch. He'll be going, oh, I'm the Grinch. You know, like doing his deep voice. Right. I see the trailer and he's like, oh, I hate the Who's. I'm like, why does he sound like me doing a podcast? Why is he some whiny asshole? <sighs> you ever seen him do the bodysuit thing? No, like it's the mocap. Oh yeah, for the dragon. Oh, for Smaug? Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Right, you're like, I want the Grinch to sound like Smaug. And you're like, he sounds like Josh Gad? <laughs> Why hire Cumberbatch? Hire Gad. Hire Gad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the, I'm, I'm going to say this and you're going to hate it. Oh boy. And all of America is going to hate it and they're going to scream... Why do you hate joy? Why do you hate Christmas? What's the thing you don't Why like? Why do you let don't Cindy Lou decorate the tree? I'm gonna throw this at you. What's your objection? He like she sings like half the song in a parking lot, and the next day he's like fully fully orchestrated with his band, remembers all her lyrics. Yeah, he told her. Told her what? I, he says like I arranged it. it might be, kind of be bad, but like I can't believe an arrangement. You're gonna sing it, okay? Like he he gives her like the little spiel. But he fully remembers the first half of the song before she comes out on stage. I mean, we, I bought that. Totally. I don't, I don't care totally. because I think the moment is totally effective, but there are other shortcuts I see the movie making like that at other. No, I, I would say because it's yeah. like that tradition of songwriters right. really respecting each other. Uh -huh. and so I feel like he had that moment in the parking lot. It feels like a throwaway thing, but he really retained those lyrics and that melody and that chord structure. Sure. Yeah. And he was able to then carry that to his band. And also beyond that, the parking lot scene, which is like sort of the best scene in the movie, probably if you had to like pick a scene. I agree. Uh, is like such a thunderbolt for him. Like, and like, so like the whole idea is that he is like after sort of years in a stupor alive again. Uh -huh. So like, of course he's going to be locked into this song. He is so locked into her. Yeah. And then, you know, after the hit, I mean, there's a great scene in which Andrew Dice Clay watches YouTube. And that's how many people are watching. The, so good. The audience yeah. fucking ate that shit up. Barry Shabaka Henley. Oh. We we got such a I fun. Mean, um, if I if I can throw an actual strike against this movie, okay. They, Michael Harney. They barely use the Barry. I, when they, Barry yeah. Shabaka Henley shows up in a movie, I get so excited I for love two him. scoops of Barry. I do love him. And instead, they just give us a little dollop. He's just like a little sour cream on the right. side of the dish. Yeah, he's one of the guys. I agree. Um. I did like the fact that Andrew Dice Clay looked like a person in this. I've been a fan of all of his recent, like, uh, you know, I mean, he's very good in Blue Jasmine and everything, but he still kind of looks like old Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. And I like that he, like, wasn't wearing the glasses, no. didn't have the sideburns. He let his hair go fully gray. Like, mm -hmm. I like that he looks like a, a, a Joe, a Joe from Jersey or whatever. I agree. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's really good in it. I mean, let's talk about the Sam Elliott thing a bunch. So they, right. I mean, they so gave him this whole right. complicated that he was sort of the second. You know, He's sort of bastard child no, exactly. of a midlife crisis yes. from an egomaniac and a drunk, right, 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 who tried to restart his life. I think with the same sort of pursuit of integrity. Right, he moved to Arizona to work on a farm, pecan farm, pecan which I love. Farm. Yep. Um, and especially because Bradley Cooper in that voice saying pecan is amazing for some reason. Pecan. pecan. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah. 
I, I wonder if RX Bar is going to use uh, Jackson Maine, who is, of course, their official spokesperson of course, now, yeah. Back from the to gym. do a, a, a special limited pecan bar. Um, I'm sure they will. A, a bar is born. Um, an RX Bar is born. Griffin's like looking at us as if we're like going to green light it. We don't actually work for RX I know. Bar. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. You're doing great. <sighs> Shut up. What? You. you are? Fuck you. Oh, God. This is outrageous. Negative a billion comedy points. You can't give me negative a billion comedy points for saying you're doing great. Fine, plus two billion. <laughs> I'll take them. Um, no, I, I uh, uh, the Sam Elliott thing is is that the, the mother died during childbirth. She was like yep. 17. The yep. father died when he was young. Sam Elliott kind of raised him. They have this weird sort of half-parent, half-sibling relationship. Right. He's also a musician. Yes. The idea, I think, is initially like, Sam Elliott was the musician. Yeah. Because, like, Cooper tells that story about his brother seeing him playing the piano when he's a yeah. kid and realizing, like, oh, this kid's got talent. Mm-hmm. And him being so proud of the fact that his brother was, like, you know, yes. invested in this. Right. Uh, but, yeah, dad made him his drinking buddy when he was 12. Stole Sam Elliott said. Uh, right. Like. And, like, right. yeah, like, there's also that allusion to, like, they were kind of a duo, maybe, mm-hmm. but, like, it didn't fly. Yeah. Like, because let's later when they're driving, you know, he brings that up. Like, if we'd had a good name, maybe it would have been a better duo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like eventually, I guess the implication is Jackson, maybe the raw talent, whatever, maybe the more presentable talent, whatever I think it presentable's is. Presentable is the big thing. But yeah. he figures it out and he becomes the star. And so his brother becomes like, you know, his his road manager his and handler, his handler. Yeah. Right. It's consigliere. Um, uh, uh, jumping to the end of the movie, a moment, another moment where I just locked in hardcore for a second is Sam Elliott looking back to pull I mean, out of the driveway. It, is, that's a, a great moment for both. <laughs> I think Cooper kills that scene too, like where he's like can't say I do too all, everything he wants to say, but he tries like sort of to get something out. I do too, but that and there's like such a wall between them, you know. And then yeah, and then you cut to. <sighs> I'll say that's a real actor's director move, and it kind of stunned me is Cooper kills that, but that's like a right. classic great actor doing a great moment of emotional sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. conflict, right? Right. But then you stay with Sam Elliott in the car, mm-hmm. and I go, okay, so is he going to sit here in the parked car, right, and, and then are we going to get the amazing shot of Sam Elliott breaking down right. against the steering wheel? But we're staying sort of three quarters behind his mm-hmm. head, mm-hmm. which is like Bradley Cooper being a real friend of Sam Elliott and being like, I'm going to make you look the most impressive. Right. And directs him to just continue on with the task at hand of right. pulling this car out of the driveway. But show us that like half of your soul is breaking right now. Like, right. Right. It just, just with a sort of a look, you know, a little like right. watery eyes. Yeah. I saw Darren Aronofsky do a talk once and he talked about working with like uh, uh, non-professional actors or actors who hadn't done movies before and would get too nervous about the, the thing. Yeah. And he said, you always give them a task to do. Mm-hmm. If they're worrying too much about the lines or the emotion, you give them something to eat. The Brad Pitt move. You give them something they have to do with their hands, so they're more distracted by another task, and then the emotions tend to come out a little more honestly and a little less forced. Sure. And this is such a simple, graceful thing of just like, A, the device of like why he has to keep on looking over his shoulders right. to the camera. He's reversing. But B, that he's just trying to hold it together and stay focused. And it does look like he just died inside. That's also the last time they see each other. Yes. That is that is Cooper uh, Jackson right. saying goodbye to him, mm-hmm. you know, maybe intentionally or not. Yeah. Um, which... Uh, is, yeah, in the middle there, right? Okay, so on the fir- we did the first half is yeah. rule, rules, and then yeah, right now, like as you know, fame's got to take hold. The sort of division's got to start sprouting up, and right, yeah. and the movie's gonna be less energetic and more like about things falling apart. 
And so, yes, it is. That's, it's a tougher that's watch. Not my problem. I mean, I don't think so, though, because I love it. the second yeah. half. No, go on. No, I, I just kind <laughs> You're so. I don't know. It's like, I mean, it's so hard. No one's mad at you. You know, it's like you, you said, I, oh, you're going to love this girl. You should go out with her. And then I come back and I'm like, we got along. It's like, what? Was something wrong? I was like, no, we like a lot of the same day. We had a nice night. Sure. I don't know. I just like. It's I, fine. It's not fine. It's terrible. I'm retiring. From what? Everything. No, you're not. I'm retiring from public life like Alec Baldwin. No, you are not. Well, then, then I look forward to seeing you in a day if that's the case. Every time he retires from public life, he gets two new TV shows. Do you remember when it was literally cover of New York Magazine, Why I'm Retiring from Public Life yeah. by Alec Baldwin, and yeah. then he became a cast member of Sarnoo <laughs> and hosted the and match hosted game. hosted the fucking match game, and he's right. going to host the Did gong 17, show or whatever. 17,000 movies. Yeah. He's in this. Yeah. One thing I want to oh, say. Oh, he's so good in it. He is. Great. Great performance. Yeah. Uh, is I love, and the, you know they shot all the music is live. Uh, they're singing. Mm-hmm. It's not lip sync. They didn't want to do lip Lady Gaga convinced Bradley Cooper not to do lip syncing because uh-huh. she thinks she thought it would look cheesy. Uh-huh. Um, all the concert stuff was filmed at actual concerts. You know, the opening stuff's from Coachella. Yeah. Oh, wow. And like they would just run them on stage and shoot for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like in for, in between the and he, acts. It, it's a real band, which is Willie Nelson's son. Yeah, it's prom- Promise of the, of the Real. real. Yeah. yeah, it's Willie Nelson's. I mean, that yeah. Sam Elliott, when he leaves them, goes to work for Willie. I've yeah. been working for Willie. I want to watch the fucking spinoff movie about him working with Willie Nelson, by the way. That sounds great. Oh, I thought it was Will Smith. <laughs> um, the, the millennium is here. Here are two assorted thoughts. The two things I found most impressive in Bradley Cooper's performance. Yeah. One really sells being a musician on stage, which is a thing where mm-hmm. a lot of actors fuck up. And I'm not even just talking about yeah, David's miming the guitar move. I'm not just talking about literally the sort of uh, the the physicality of the guitar playing or his singing, both of which are very good, but the fact, the energy, I mean, the thing you were saying about slumping the head over the amp, you see every concert performance, you go, oh, this is that type of show. Yeah. And it's very recognizable, unforced, unshowy, just really lived in, like, this is a guy who's done 8,000 concerts, who's drunk stuff. Um, The other moment that really stunned me, you talk about him being in the drunken haze and realizing only after he goes to Ron Rifkin rehab uh, triple R, as we mm-hmm. call it, R squared. Um, that oh, he's literally been drunk this entire movie up until now. Pretty much, it's been different stages of drunk. Yeah, he. There are times when he's not drunk, but it's few and far between. And when you see him post rehab, and you're like, oh, this is the first time I'm seeing sober Bradley Cooper. The whole movie. Mm-hmm. This is more like the Bradley Cooper I know. Sure, right. Um, it is that very effective tool in in movie making which is you withhold something from the audience so they don't realize they've been lacking it until you bring it back to them i just want to say something and yeah i just no go ahead you realize no but just like in that final scene not final scene but the final stretch where he comes Mm. back out of rehab when you're just like when he's just kind of sitting around oh right his skin doesn't always look as leather you know his his eyes aren't always glassy like you get so used to that as being the baseline with Bradley Cooper and your notion of sober becomes more sober than usual right, right. rather than a totally direct sober Bradley Cooper performance. I don't need to go to rehab right now. Uh-huh. There's no, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to belittle You're rehab. You're talking personally as David Sounds? Yes. But David Lawrence if I could go to a thing where I just kind of hang out with Ron Rifkin for like six weeks and swim in a pool, wouldn't say no. Seems fun to me. Here's another thought I had during just this like party. I just have chats with Ron Rifkin and then I swim. What I seems great. And, and once again, I'm dealing with my own shit, right? Mm-hmm. But I in that scene with him and Ron Rifkin talking on the bench went like that. 
fuck, I want to be old so I can play Ron Rifkin parts. I had that distinct thought where I was like, I'm so done with my career. Can I just be old and play Ron Rifkin parts? Can I show up for two scenes and just be like a pretty good listener? And I was like, am I going to need to go to rehab? <laughs> so here's here were our takeaways from that. You were like, I wish I was Ron Rifkin. Yep. You were like, I need to go to rehab. And I was like, I'd love to just hang out with Ron Rifkin and swim. Right. My, I, I'm going Hollywood is evil. I just want to be Ron Rifkin. Ben goes, I should call Ron Rifkin and check my into Ron Rifkin's house of rehab. And your notion was five out of five masterpiece would fuck again. <laughs> Rifkin. I was so happy when he showed up. I know. It's that jo- thing we talk about where Joanna you just, turned to me with like yeah. glee in her eyes because she loves alias. When you just get a good, my, my favorite term for this, but just a good steady hand character actor where you're like, okay, I'm going to be treated right for these couple of scenes. Ron Rifkin's not going to do me dirty. I to- you're totally right. But he's right, a steady right, hand. He's yeah. a pro. It's true. He's a hand yeah. at the tiller here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Riffy. He's looking skinny though. I hope he's okay. He's kind of skinny in this movie. He's always uh, been a skinnier guy. Yeah. Um, you know what I love him in is um, fucking Ellie Confidential. Yeah. Ah, he's so good. He's also just like, got a great face and a great voice, and his name is Ron Rifkin. Mm-hmm. He gets a lot of points for being named Ron oh, Rifkin. God. Yeah. It's yeah. a perfect the character. Thing. The movie just kind of riffs for 10 minutes. <laughs> I think, does he share a title card with Baba Shabaka Henley? Maybe. I'm not sure. Because that was the point where, the, right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Go on. I'm not even going to make my joke now. <laughs> okay. I was going to say that was the point where they kicked me out of the theater for masturbating. Oh, God. It was when there was the split card with Barry Shabaka and Ron Rifkin. Oh, boy. Cut it out and then double it. Yeah. Um, uh, the lady got... So, Allie mm-hmm. gets famous. Yeah. A star is born, one could say. A star is born, starts yeah. making pop music. Yeah. I've seen some criticism about, like, how the movie is, like, sort of, you know, um, derisive or dismissive about pop music. I don't think it is. For one... I don't think it is either. All the Lady yeah. Gaga song pop songs are good, in my opinion. And the soundtrack's out now, and you can I've been rocking out to it. It fucking rules. Uh-huh. Um, the only song that is quote-unquote bad is the one written by Diane Warren about jeans. Which one's that? Uh, the one she does on SNL. The why oh. do you look so good in those jeans? Like you know, uh, the, the one that he makes fun of. The one that he's not into. Um, That's kind of bad. It's insane that Diane like, Warren wrote it. I hey, know. Diane, you want to write one song for a movie? It's the bad one. Well, I, I wonder if the conversation was literally like, Diane, you're a pro. You've written so many mo- songs for movies. Mm-hmm. Can you write a song that's su- sort of supposed to come off as a little cheesy? Yeah, like, I wonder. You know, yeah. Because uh, it's still kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a, it you moves. Th- you, you know, you it can, fucks. You can, yeah, it doesn't fuck, but it like. It slaps. Yeah. It wears a pair of jeans. Um, but then they have that scene in the bathtub where he's drunk. He starts calling bullshit on the song. He calls her ugly. I mean, all that stuff. And I was like, Right, okay, here's that Star's Born turn. He's nasty. Where he becomes, like, evil. He's nasty about her art. He never, be- let me see, so in the Babylon- He does one, call her evil, uh, ugly a bunch. He says, you're Which, ugly, but he says it after she uh, has, has started making fun of his dad, and I, I think, you know, like, there's sort of, he has that kind of plausible drunk deniability. He was like, I'm talking about how you're behaving. Yes. But it also feels like he's being nasty. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's hitting her where he know it hurts. Right, that's the word that's gonna- Right, that's the word that's going to yeah, set her the off, make spot. her su- yeah. sad, yeah. And um, But what it feels like more than that is like he doesn't like the fucking manager. He doesn't like, you know, the sort of pop apparatus, mm-hmm. right? Apparatus, apparatus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just apparatus. thinks... Apparatus. That's what I say, apparatus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he just thinks like she's not like telling her truth anymore. And it's like, fucking settle down, you old coot. You know, that's yeah. how I feel in that scene where I'm like, 
Not every song is going to lay it all on the line like I like to do, you know. And that's what Sam Elliott is calling out of him yeah. earlier. But he's he's too, like, you know, wrapped up in himself to really hear him. Also, he can't hear. Right. He's he got that hear. issue. <laughs> this There's movie, multiple times goes, where he's like, what? <laughs> like, he just yeah. he can't hear people. When he goes up to him at SNL and Sam Elliott asks him the question, he answers something different. Do you know what I'm talking about? I forget what the exact lines are, but Sam Elliott asked him something it's directly. Willie. Sam Elliott is basically like, yeah, I can't remember what it, what it is, though. He was Bradley Cooper gives him a stock answer yeah, he, to what he assumed right, he asked because exactly. he can't hear him. And and I Sam thought that has was a really a look good in his eyes where he's like, oh, he can't even fucking hear him. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, love all that. But yeah, I mean, I think like this movie is kind of always on Ali's side. And then it's like, you know, this is what being famous is like now. And yeah, there are some trade-offs you have to make. Yeah. But there are things like he's like, you're going to have blonde hair. And she's like, I'm not going to have blonde hair. She ends up having like this sort of reddish hair. that's right. more like a sort of neon version of her own hair. Right. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I want to use the dancers. She doesn't want to use the dancers. Finally, when you see her with the dancers, she's sort of like, they're like a team. Like they're with her. But once again, the only sense of that you get is from this one sort of very um, flatly written manager character. What do you mean? I mean, he's the lone representation oh, of the pressures of... Well, you know... Because he's the mouthpiece for all of it. You don't hear it from It's a long else. movie. It is. And the other ones are so much longer. They're yeah. three hours. The, the Gainer Not one Not the Gainer is, one, right, but the, one, the Garland and Brabs ones yeah. are, are three hours, yeah, full hours crazy. long. And yeah. you just can't do that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of abbreviation. I just don't mind that. I also think, like, the movie does... Ha you know, it could get so sludgy. So I, I mean, I'm gonna. You're gonna be angry that I'm comparing it to another movie. Yeah. But I was throughout watching this film going, oh man, this really makes me want to watch Beyond the Lights. Uh huh. Which you know I love. I love it too. Is a movie where we saw it together, and I sat and turned to you and said, I want to fuck this movie, and I had that moment of just like I'm in love with this thing. Yeah. But I think that movie really gets at the. Um, I feel the emotional claustrophobia. Right in that film of being caught in the whirlwind of a right. career. But that movie has a shitty romance. I prefer the romance in that movie. Oh, I don't agree. The problem with that movie is the fame stuff is terrific, but the romance is so perfunct. Disagree with you. Okay. Well, I cry I, when he says I love you. Okay. Well, I don't, the romance in that, I feel like is what's given short shrift, which is what the romance is always given short shrift in these movies. And he, I think See, I, I like that he's balanced it the other I way. I prefer that movie in, on both fronts. Well, I don't, but I yeah. do like Beyond the Lights a lot. I think it's great. It fucks. It does, David. Don't give me that look. Yeah, all right. It fucks. I don't know. I like... Ben is mm -hmm. making fuck fingers with his hands. He's, uh, so I'm trying to explain this to the listener. With two fingers no. on one hand, he's making a small circle, almost like an okay. Then the other finger is representing... Well, it's a bit phallic, if I do say so myself. And he is fucking the circle with the pointer finger. Um... Uh, yeah, I, I, the Nate Parker, he's, I just, I mean, look, I, I'm no fan of Nate Parker. Sounds like you love Nate Parker and cry about him all like the time. I don't like his work, I just like his personal life, but. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a terrible joke. <laughs> uh, I, Nate Parker has always his. struck me, he's like, he's just a little flat, like, I don't love him in I anything. agree with you other yeah. than that one movie. Blech. Um, yeah, the romance in that, whatever. The parent stuff in that, I like Mini Driver a lot. Sometimes it's a little like, don't yell the whole movie at me, but I do look, like that movie look, a lot. They're both big Hollywood movies. They're not trafficking in subtlety. I no. think they are trafficking in a sense of specificity within a grand Hollywood sort of yeah. drama. Dan Warren also wrote a song for that movie. Yeah. At least one. 
I just felt like, and this just gets into personal preference. That movie was more on the wavelengths of the things I kind of want to see out of this sort of story. It's a different narrative. But you it's already a, got that movie. I know. And Let's I was sitting one. there and going, oh, I want to watch that again. Blech. Blech you. No. Blech. I think you mean blah, blah, blah. Blech. I don't know, David. What what am I supposed to say? He's so grumpy. This is what I'm worried about. Can I tell you what I'm worried about? <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm going to have five months ahead of me of like the fucking culture war of Star is Born versus whatever the other big Oscar front runner is. My question is. is, I don't know what the other is going to be, but yeah, possibly. I don't yes. know. And I feel like there's always the thing that I always hate. I fall into where you start fighting about my movie rather than your movie. And every oh, year, I just hate that about shit. this time of year, I vow to myself, like, just like the movies you like, sure. just like the movies you like. It's not a competition except for the part where it literally is a competition. They give out gold men. <laughs> they do. Little gold men. Hashtag little gold men. Plug to little gold men. LGA. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a difference between like the Inaratu movies, which I like hate, versus something like this where I'm like, I just don't love it. Mm-hmm. But I also just was watching this, knowing I wasn't loving it, knowing that I liked it enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck. I just, I know four months from now I'm going to be at a bar arguing the relative merits of this versus whatever the thing is that I want to win everything. Griffin, what, do you think what be, if you give yourself I mean, another might. chance uh-huh. and let's just say that you maybe might watch it again and like it more? Well, that's possible, too. You might it's possible. To it. It's possible. I admittedly was not in a great headspace when I saw it last night. No, didn't sound like it. But I was really like amped for the movie. Sure. Um, and I wanted the the highs and lows of the thing. And I felt the highs. And I didn't feel the lows. In the sense that maybe I didn't buy into the grand tragedy of the thing as much as I bought into the little moments of of intimacy and things like that. Well, so he kills himself. He does. Uh, in a probably his a manner best, in which a lot of rock stars have killed themselves, unfortunately. Probably his yeah. best director flourishes the <coughs> the, the, sire, the lights, the police the lights. Creeping. It's so fucking It's a good. really good shot. Uh, that whole sequence I think is great. That's his dog. That's Bradley Cooper's dog, Charlie. Yeah, uh, playing the dog. Uh, obviously, the the real star is born right there. Um, dog's great. Well, like all that stuff. Like y- you know, uh, uh, my my the acting teacher I really liked, who I've talked about before in the podcast, was Bradley Cooper's like main <laughs> teacher. Who, uh-huh. When he wins the Oscar this year, which I believe you are correct, he will win. I think so. He will probably spend seventy five percent of his speech crying about her because he cites her as like the most important figure in his entire life. Right. And um, like a lot of other acting teachers, a thing that she would sort of talk about is really trying to find those personal connections into the thing. You know, find the areas, uh, not, you know, reaching further to a character that's further away from yourself, but the things that then just become truly honest. So things like that relationship with the dog makes a lot of sense. The dog is so good on camera with him because that's a dog he actually has a relationship with and using Lady Gaga's nose and his ears. And sure. all these things that are tied into like these real sore spots for the actors, not just the characters. I liked all of that stuff. Um, I, I am excited to see what Bradley Cooper continues to do as a director. It's going to be weird because this first movie is so fucking big that I don't know what the rest of his career looks like now. Well, he'll probably just keep making big movies. Yeah. I'm trying to see some other, like if there's any other sort of tidbits buried in here. I think her last performance is really good. I really like that song. Uh, I like that she doesn't say I'm Mrs. Jackson Maine, which is how every other one of the movies mm-hmm. ends with with the um the not Jackson, but they always Norman say Maine. I'm Mrs. Norman Maine. Right. Yeah. Uh, she's always called Esther in the other movies too, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Uh I guess they just decided Esther on a big billboard yeah. wouldn't pop, but uh I disagree. Yeah. Um but yeah, she doesn't say that. She says I'm Allie Maine. 
And we should mention Ezra Zuckerman was the second choice for this behind Lady Gaga. Okay. Our friend Esther Zuckerman. We love Esther Zuckerman. She loves this movie. Star of Easy Rider, our upcoming biopic as part of the Blank Check Pictures. Easy Rider. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Premiered at the Venice Film Festival. Did great. Like blowing reviews. Everyone loves it. I'm going to be the... Grump. You're not. Other people don't like it too. Uh, here's yeah. the thing I, I always... I don't want to be the, someone who's like fighting for why. Like, let me explain why it isn't good. I, I hate that thing. Well, that's always my thing. I'm about worried I'm going to fall but, into the mud and start wrestling. Don't wrestle. I don't want to wrestle. I hate wrestling. Oh, he's going to wrestle. <laughs> I, that's always my thing with this. It's like, everyone who likes their movie, Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And if you want to say your piece about what you don't like about the movie, yeah. a couple times, fine. But like, yeah, doing the endless sort of like, well, well isn't that bad? Like, it's like, right. unless look, it's Birdman. Birdman's okay. okay. an evil but that listen, we must fight. Yeah. There wasn't a birth. That's true. And you know what? Fuck this movie. It's bullshit. So, what do you think you're going to like, though? That's my question. Like, what's the Oscar movie you feel like you're going to lock into? I also just don't know what the competitor to this movie is going to be. Predator. Well, I don't know if it's like a major Oscar movie because it is more of like an artsy sort of like thing. I don't know if it's like. Hotel Transylvania 3? I was going to make Ralph Breaks the Internet. I mean, you stole the fucking. I mean, I don't. And it, your joke makes less sense because I've already seen it. Fair enough. Sorry. We are doing a Ralph Breaks the Internet episode. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Maybe what am I really Roma, I guess people excited. love Roma. Roma, I'm am for. I, mean, I like Quiran a lot, a lot, uh, a lot. First Man is coming up. Uh, the uh, favorite. Yeah. I mean, if Beale Street Could Talk is wonderful, That's Widows is wonderful. That's probably what I'm most excited. I mean, like, uh, fucking uh, Moonlight's my favorite movie of the decade. So, I, you know, to hear that he has a new movie and that people liked it, I imagine I'll go crazy for it. Maybe. You might not. Um, I'm very excited for the PG-13 re-release of Deadpool. Obviously, I mean, everyone's excited for that. I mean, I'm looking through stuff. You know, welcome to Marwin. Soon, we're all going to go to Marwin. I, That's I, really I, great. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Ben. Ben has to pee. They played the trailer for the Mule before the movie. Oh, I am so in for the Mule. We already talked about this, I think, in another episode. But I'm angry that he doesn't have drugs in his butt. That apparently they're just in the back of his truck. Uh, a lot of pecans, though. In that trailer, a lot of pecan yeah, talk. Cooper, do you think he bought stock? Did he buy uh, futures and pecans? Pecan futures? Um, uh, I, I, I am unfortunately like I'm so excited for the mule. I am too. God, <laughs> even though I think it'll probably suck. Like I don't care. Trailers are so. I know. Good. Why are they always the American so good? Sniper trailer rules? Right, that's the best trailer of the decade. It's if you such ask a good trailer. It certainly helped its massive right. performance. I think. Sully um, trailer's great, yeah. but obviously Sully is even better yes. because it's American Masterpiece. Uh, we spell freedom, S-U-L-L-Y. Um, that, I mean, that is the interesting thing. Ben was talking about the the choice to make Bradley Cooper kind of this country western star. That is the interesting thing with him is that like... Uh, Pecan Ranch. Pecan Ranch. Um, it, it is interesting. Maybe that's the RX bar flavor is it's pecans with ranch sauce, right. ranch dressing. <laughs> Perfect. And egg whites. Um it is interesting that Bradley Cooper has become this partial avatar for like Red State America because American Sniper was American like Sniper very was. much a like finally a movie for us. I don't know if this movie is going to be an avatar for Red State America from the initial reactions, but audience maybe. I saw it with was crazy about it. But I will say it was also like ninety two percent women. Yeah, and I, I think this movie is going to be one of those massive like oh right we should make movie that that women want to see. It turns out they show up in droves. Lady Gaga is amazing in this movie. FYI. We haven't really talked about her enough. Yeah. She rules. She's natural. She's human. She feels like a person. I didn't think she had it in her. You know, all the other sort of acting roles she's done, it's all image and glam and sort mm -hmm. of like extreme, uh, you know, archness. Yeah. And uh, none of that's present here. 
God, her face in those early scenes, the way she's just looking at him like, is this guy totally full of shit? Yeah. Or is this for real? Like, it's basically like what she's sort of like is slowly getting ground down in those early scenes. Yeah. Where like, is he just like a famous guy who's trying to like have a cool night or like, you know, is is is, yeah, is all yeah, this shit he's saying? She's all that well. Yeah, I don't, I mean. You no, know, yeah. whatever. You seem less enthused. Yeah. I was less enthused with her performance, but I don't know if I have like pointed gripes or anything. She's great. She probably uh, won an Oscar. It's weird. She got a fucking huge applause break at the end credits yep. by theater. Yep. Yeah. You think she's going to win? I think it's possible. I think I think the reason she doesn't win would just be the Oscars being like, the nomination is your reward. Like, you know, this movie's winning elsewhere. And like, right. this is like your first big role. That's kind of why I think she's but, not going to win. But she doesn't have an obvious competitor, which is why I think she will win. Um, there's just not there's no one who's got this sort of big juicy role plus no Oscar like to sort of make a run except for Glenn Close who's in this like you know yeah respectively received respectively received summer indie movie that did okay like and for Glenn Close if she's winning it's literally just like well she's never won oh you're forgetting the other really big hyped up female performance of the year um, uh, Kira Knightley and I, Nutcracker in the forefront. <laughs> you were struggling there. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. The floor. I, Have you seen the trailer where her I voice don't want to is- talk about a movie I wrote and directed? <laughs> I just think it's weird. I think it's weird to talk about it when I poured my soul into that movie. And let's admit that David, you are a paid sponsor for this episode. Nutcracker in the Four Realms unite the four in theaters. <laughs> Look, I'll admit my pitch to Disney was three realms. They added a fourth realm. I've never been Fucking fully comfortable. I, See, they they won't let you make a small, intimate story. I mean, that's the, that's the I success agree. of Stars Born. Is it's a small, intimate human story. You're just a boy who wants to tell a nice, tight, controlled three story. Realm story. Three, realm. three realm story. It's a three realmer. And they're like, this movie. Look, they were like, look, three realms. This movie yeah. makes eighty million. <laughs> Four realms. The multiplier. And they had this but they're graph. Overreaching. Yeah, I I think they might have been, you know, selling me a bridge. Like you also, I, yeah. you you delivered them an airtight, diamond cut, <laughs> three realm structure screenplay. It has a clear one act, one realm, one realm, one realm, one realm. It's true. Some people are going to say the fourth realm feels tacked. It's going to feel lumpy. But I'm not going to tell you which realm wasn't my realm. Okay. So you're going to have to figure that out from yourself. Can I we think do it's four, obvious. Can we do a four realms episode? <laughs> yeah, we're going to release that to a, a black hole. <laughs> it won't be on the internet, but we'll just shout it into a singularity. Yeah, you can record that one on your own. <laughs> yeah, Ben's like, yeah, I'll produce that never. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we're going to release our Nutcracker in the Four Realms episode on Feral Audio. <laughs> oh, boy. I think that I think the doors have closed on that one, haven't they? I don't know about that. <laughs> oh God! Uh, I mean, what we we're recording five hours? I have to go to Comic Con. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you're gonna do great. I think so. Griffin, I don't know. I've I've been a very nervous. I know you've been recently. a bit of a nervous yeah. wreck this week. I have. I'm about to move. I'm gonna wreck. You're it. gonna move. I like much like Ralph. I'm gonna wreck it. Ben, we had a great time at Stars Born. We love Griffin. I love you guys. Griffin's the best. He's favorites. gonna be fine. You're gonna yeah. be fine. I'm gonna be fine. Coming up after this is Nancy Myers. It's mostly in the can for us. We've done most of them, uh, all but the last two. Yep, and and I think it's gone great. I think it's been a lot of great fun. Guests. We have got some. Good we have guests. a lot of really exciting, fun guests. First time guests. A couple good first time guests and some nice returners. Yeah. Uh, the holiday episode. The dog is 
off the leash. The dog's yeah. the dog's off the dog park. God knows where he went. <laughs> He's all over the place in that one. It's on the cat ranch. <laughs> Lock the gates, baby. He might sneak out. Yeah, we did record it at the cat ranch. <laughs> we did. <laughs> By the way, when I said a lot of new exciting guests, Mark Marin is the guest on every Nancy Myers episode. <laughs> we figured he had the right voice for them. Yeah. Who are your kitchens? He loves the intern. I don't know if you know that. He, he brings up the intern a lot. Is that just like because he saw it? <laughs> I feel like Mark Marin doesn't see a lot of movies. Yeah, but he brings up a lot. Every time he has like any film person on, he goes, have you seen the intern? De Niro's like fucking great in that, right? Like he's throwing heat. He's like right in the pocket. Uh, I mean, he, he we'll talk about it. That's one of the only ones we haven't talked about. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Well, Griffin's a grumpy guts, but this is a great grumpy. episode. I just feel worn out and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm far from the shallows. You are. Uh, now, now I am at least. We're going to do whatever Bradley Cooper movie comes next. Yeah. Bernstein or whatever it's called. Leonard Part 7. I hope it's something so fun. stupid. Uh, with the movie? I hope that Singing Bradley- and dancing. No, like <laughs> I, no, 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 no. I hope that Bradley Cooper like doesn't make Bernstein. Oh, he makes like a U-turn? And he's like, you know what? I'm going to remake Suspiria again. <laughs> I'm going to do G.I. Joe 3. <laughs> right. World War Z 2. Fincher won't take it. I just snatched it up, baby. Or maybe he hears he hears my pitch, uh-huh. and we finally get the buzz. Oh, oh well, well, first yeah. of all, I mean, right? They have their first look deal at Warner Brothers, so Phillips and Cooper, the two guys to get. But I'll say, if Bradley Cooper's looking for a good follow-up performance, of this Night Eggs is right in his wheelhouse. Oh, Detective Night Eggs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm still but in the process. White, of working White has on first that. look at that one, though. That's White's a white picture. Yeah, yeah. He's part of the package. Could you just imagine Coop though crushing eggs with his boot? <laughs> I could. Except it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, my God. Take some pride in this beautiful thing we created. I know. All right, get out of here. Okay. Can we end? Yeah, what else we got to say? Anything else? No. The mule. I hope it's muley. I hope it's muley. I'm really Four excited about that one. For the uh, I Nancy. don't know. Let's see. Um, Nancy's yeah, coming up. We talked about some of this while you were in the bathroom. Okay, great. Yeah. Then let's... Go. Get Let's out. just go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, look. Here, here are a couple things I want to say, and I want to say them clearly, okay? On the record. I don't care who I offend. I just want to take this moment to stump speech, stand on my soapbox and say this. <laughs> yep. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Despite what anyone else might tell you, thanks to Manfred Guda for our social media, despite the dirty rumors out there, thanks to Joe Bone and Pat Reynolds for our artwork, Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Go to blankiesatreddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to T-Bublic for some real nerdy merch. And as always, mm. David, as everyone knows, this podcast started out as, as a sort of hard-hitting uh, journalism. True. Uh, and then we asking the big questions, asking big questions, and we veered away. The mm-hmm. show has now become a, a, a bit of Palooza. That's true. Despite a lot of movie talk, us, too. us trying to be a no bits podcast, it's become a lot of bits about movies. We can deal with that in 2019. I feel like we can tackle it. We'll get back on on message. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Right, but in the meantime, if you got that sort of like real true crime drama itch, yes, a, a real probing podcast, I got one to recommend for you, David. Uh-huh. Listen, okay, if you like cereal, okay. If you like uh, S-Town, okay. Dirty John, any of these, you might like a podcast called Dead Man Talking. Oh, that's uh, created by Audio Boom. Yeah, right oh, here, friends baby. Audio Boom. Yeah, Dead Man Talking is about the death row confessions of a, the railroad killer. 
okay? okay? Angel Resendez, okay. who crisscrossed the U.S. by freight train in the 80s and 90s, choosing his victims at random before he was executed by the state of Texas in 2006. That's oh, spooky. That's extremely spooky. I'm, I'm bummed out right now. Okay, but here's the twist. Okay. Shyamalan style. Before his death, Resendez spoke to journalist and host Alex Hannaford and claimed on tape to have killed as many as oh, 40 people. More than he was arrested for. No good. Very bad. Don't do it. Don't but do, do it. do listen. Yes. As each episode takes a confession and leads Alex on an investigation to find out the truth. Okay, because here's a double Shyamalan. You got to ask yourself, was the railroad killer lying in order to slow down his journey to the execution chamber? Right. Was he even more sinister than anyone could have imagined? Right. A little bit of an unreliable narrator. Thing. Sure. Features interviews with his only surviving victim. Jesus. That must be a weird club to be part of. Mm. The psychiatrist who knew him best, attorneys who worked on the case, Two inmates currently serving life sentences for crimes Resendez claims he committed. We've been trying to book them as guests on the show. I'll tell you, they're hard gets. So you Cut visit out. Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast directory. Search, Search for, for Dead, Dead Man, Man Talking. talking.